Hello everybody, it's Danielle again. Um, I'm very sad this week because, you know, I heard some very disturbing thoughts expressed on this episode of Partific Weekly. Um, th- this is for Lady Chi. Uh, I don't know how you can say that The Sound of Music is the worst Julie Andrews movie ever. Uh, personally, it's always been one of my favorites, even though I I know she does look strange, like sort of like a weird little boy with that fake blonde wig, but but really, the hills do come alive when she sings. It's It's wonderful. It's... I don't know. I'm so distraught. Um, anyway... For October 3rd, 2007. Oh, who cares? I'm going to watch The Sound of Music. Bye. Hey, Ron. The next time you're freaked at me for calling you out on the Quidditch pitch. Just remember that And welcome back to episode 28 of Puff What, everybody. I am not Lauren Green, and everyone's here tonight. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. I'm Meg. And I'm Jen's mom. Okay, not everybody. Jen? Yay! Yay! <laughs> Jen? We did it so well! Okay, I know. Jen? There was only like three seconds between everybody's names. It was amazing. Jen? I know! That's where I am. What's new? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so funny. I'm just going to sit over here in the corner. Because we know that the 500 people who download us could care less about the fic. They want to know what's new. (laughs) So do I, actually, so let's hear it. I just wanted to start off with telling everyone I had a fabulous vacation. (laughs) We went to Napa, we went to Sonoma, we went to the um, Mandalay Aquarium. Did you almost drown? No. I thought there no. was a problem with a wave, like you got hit with a wave. Uh, he's just trying to invent stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> it did go to the ocean, though, and I put my foot in the Pacific, and it was so cold. And But it was <laughs> blue. It was you, doesn't pretty. It? It's so much prettier than the Gulf. Like, the Gulf is, like, poopy looking. And <laughs> Sorry, Gulf. <laughs> like, brown. No. Jenny, did you, go, like, what? did you go to the bay, sweetie? Did you go to the bay and, like, it's smell it? The, like, the... <laughs> Like <laughs> Jen yeah. just smelling San Francisco. No, what were you saying about the bay? Oh, did you, did you go to the um the bay like where they have the ferry that takes you out to not Azkaban? What's the name of the prisoner? Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Why the most dim-witted podcast prison. available in the fandom? Yeah, they today. went to what is it called? Pier Thirty Nine <laughs> something. Yeah, it's Fisherman's Wharf, I think. Right, right, and there's a yeah. bunch of seals that are out uh, there, and it yes. smells awful. It smells wonderful. I was fascinated oh. with those seals. Like, they would talk, and they'd go, woo, woo. Yeah, they're really, <laughs> they're awesome. quite interesting, actually. And you didn't have, like, like, a run-in with a seal or anything like that? No, no, there was, like, 60 of them, though. Like, they were yeah. everywhere. 
No, we, and I saw the prison. And I think the biggest thing was when we got off the airport and we went into downtown, um, San Francisco, um, they don't tell you, but there's like three or four bridges yep. that look well, yeah. just like the Golden Gate, except they're not the same color. Oh, and God. so every time we would pass a bridge, I would go, is that it? And they would go, no. <laughs> and yeah. I would go, what about that one? And they go, that's the same one. We're on a different street. <laughs> Did you go into um, I have to say that I respect San Francisco drivers even more than I respect, like, Rocky Mountain drivers because everything is like 10% great, 8% great. And like people yeah. are like burning their bridges. I mean, their bridges, <laughs> burning their brakes, their brakes as they drive. Like, and Jay, my friend who went there, he did not know what his um, gears were for, like uh-huh. two and low and all those things in your car. And I was like, Jay, put your gear in second or whatever. You're going to burn your brakes up. And like, so we taught him how to do, I felt so impressed because not that I would learn those things in Texas, like everything's flat. There's no hill or curve or anything. Um, but there, oh my gosh, it was just like driving in the mountains. Now, did you teach him this after you got confused, which, which bridge was the Golden Gate? Uh, no. I'm just picturing your friend. He's like, there's the Golden Gate Bridge, and you're pointing at some small wooden structure that's about to fall down. You're like, quick, put your car in this gear. He's like, Ugh. I mean, the hills are so rolly. Like, you can be in an automatic car. Like, is are they called automatics, the ones that aren't yes. standards? Yeah. Okay, yeah. your automatic car, and you'll be, like, on the top, and you'll stop. And they have these stop signs at the top of these hills. Yeah. And where it just keeps going up, like, I guess so it's the middle of the hill. But, um... And when you put it in stop and then you go, you roll back like you do in a standard. Yeah. Yeah, that's how and steep San Francisco is. It's crazy. It's frightening. I was like holding on to the back of my seat going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But, um, but it was so much fun. We peeled out several times and it was like really cool. <laughs> See, and um, I have to tell you, Jen, I have to tell you, uh, San Francisco is like my favorite city ever. I love is. San Francisco. If I had a billion dollars, I would love I would to live so there. Is it really there. that yeah. expensive? It is it's ridiculous. Insane. You need a billion? Um, Ryan, my uncle is a judge advocate general for the Coast Guard. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's not like he's not making decent money. Right. It's not like that at all. Okay. He lives in a suburb of actually Oakland, California. No, San Francisco. Because mm. uh, San Francisco and Oakland are the same thing. Um, it's just different sides of the bay. And, right. um, he lives in a suburb of San Francisco called Pleasantville. And he lives in close to a half a million dollars homes and it's only two bedrooms. Oh, that's lucky. Like, we yeah. were looking for a house, um, for a new house for, uh, Leanne and Jay's, uh, brother. And for a, a, a house that would cost about thirty or $50,000 here was $1.17 million. Okay, Danielle lives in Brooklyn and I yeah. live outside Boston. Like, I know, like, you know, inflated home prices. I'm just saying, I don't think you need to be Bill Gates to live there. Well, you do. It's, it's absolutely. Well, the thing is, is they don't tell you. Is San Francisco is a is a full ta- like. There's no more land. People can't just go in. Yeah. You can't move in there unless someone else dies or moves out. <laughs> or it's move. Why do you open the dies? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, like you can't move there. It's it's full. It's fine. And people like watch the obituaries. I'm picturing so, like a gunshot in San Francisco, and all these people come running with suitcases. Oh. So you had a wonderful vacation, right? It was wonderful. And so we did all these things. We went to ILM and, and did all these things. And um, 
you know, Pixar and anime. My my friend works as an animator, and so we got all the in and all those things, which is really neat. And um, so anyway, we I can't even tell you all the things we did. I can't even remember right now, but we did everything like touristy. But anyway, we were leaving, and we got to the airport, and our flight was like on time and everything. We got to the gate. And we ended up having like five hour delay as soon as we got there. So Jen called me forgetting she was on the West Coast. <laughs> I called, yeah, because I'm two hours behind. So it was like three, three. hours. Different. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I'm like, hi. And he's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and it, no, he was really great. But we got delayed. <laughs> Jen's not like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll talk to you later. Jen's like, what you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> what yeah. about my day? Who the hell is this? Why are you calling? Stop being a, my stalker, Jen. Stop it. No. Um. Can you imagine <laughs> Jen was your stalker? She'd be like the okay. funniest. Okay. Moving For the on. record, Ryan has never called me late at night, but he has called me at 7 o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> Oh, that's, Ryan, that's awful. I was that's up rude. for three. I wait until I'm up for three hours, and then I begin calling people. I'm Jen, like, don't ever call me before 930. I'll kill you. All right. So, no, Jen, uh, you got home, you landed, and everything was great. Okay. Yes, I landed. We got in at, at, my dad picked us up at 4 a.m. We drove home. We got home by 5 a.m. My dad left us as we were on the porch and we walked in our house and it was dark. And I, I said, James, the floor is squishy. Now we had had our carpets cleaned on the Thursday before we left. And I said, could the carpets still be wet from that? I mean, could they, so we turned on the lights and to my horror, the kitchen was completely underwater. And the living room was kind of, um, it was squishy. And I looked in the bedroom and I walked in the bedroom and my entire foot was underwater. And I went, oh no. And, um, like just like that too. And <laughs> basically what we ended up doing was getting all the emergent. I mean, we were exhausted. I can't even tell you. Um, it's 5 a.m. We've been up all, you know, and so we try to get all the major things off of the floor that like were tear, like, my violin, which was cracked, my guitar, and my piano, which was cracked down the middle, and all these things, we tried to get them. So at 7, we said, you know what, we need to go and get some sleep. So we went to my parents' house, which luckily, my parents live, you know, 10 or 15 miles away. So we went and stayed with my parents and slept until about noon. And our landlord called and said, you need to come and get everything out. We're stripping the carpet and the tile and the linoleum. Everything is coming out today so that the structure of the house doesn't mold. So we had until 6 p.m. to empty my entire house. And we were going, we had family members going to the liquor stores to get the boxes that, you know, because you can't. No, I'm sorry, I'm picturing your dad's like, I need to get all the liquor you can find. And just bring it Seriously. It's <laughs> Side party. I don't care if there's a hole in my colon. Get the liquor. <laughs> well, I can't lift anything. And so I'm like pointing and I feel so completely useless and like. So I'm helping getting boxes at because liquor store boxes are really great and they're cheap and like we couldn't go buy boxes at U-Haul because they were closed on Sundays and like everything was like against us. So finally we got everything moved and out. I think by 7:30 we we but you know what can you do? You're working and working and working and they were actually pulling up carpet around us as we were moving furniture. It was ridiculous. And so my entire house is in a storage unit and on my front porch. And we are living with my parents. And how's that going? We, uh, it's lovely. I mean, I can't complain. My parents are great, and but it's kind of like we're living with my parents. And um, you know, I don't have a room 
So we're staying in Shannon's room. She has a little double bed. It's kind of smaller than James. My husband is six four, six five. And you're like four and feet tall, right? The now. double, yeah, I'm like five two and a half. And so my husband, you know, his legs are hanging off a foot and or two. And anyway, so that's where we are right now. So Jen and James are homeless and looking for a new place to live because they're saying that the structure was cracked from the water. What ended up happening was my landlord, who doesn't live that far away, but she, we share a well. And she cracked a pipe in her, under her house, and the pressure of the water came up through our toilet and flooded the entire house. I've been on the phone with the claims, the insurance, and so finally the claims people came out this morning and took pictures of all of our ruined furniture, and hopefully we'll be saving a really nice check. <laughs> I have to tell you, when Jen called to tell me this happened, her first thing was, I'll be at the podcast. I'm coming. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Like I like I I was like absolutely without speech. I'm like, what else can Jen possibly go through other but than we like had there's a such rescue? A great week. It was a fantastic <laughs> vacation. Like I've like turned on CNN and seen Jen's house with a tornado over it. <laughs> no kidding. I've gotten messages saying, you know, I need help. I'm trapped in the shower with James and the dogs, and all I can come up with for her is that there's a tornado in the area for which she responds, "Thank you for the info. I had no idea." Like, like, there's, like, like with, like, it's true. I, I feel very I was, helpless with Jen. And one in the middle of a co- podcast, we were podcasting, and suddenly, like, yeah, my roof had to leave. <laughs> and yeah. no, seriously, I was like, "Oh my god, bathtub!" And like, the alarm didn't even go off. Yeah, that was kind I, of scary. That one tornado alarms are stupid. They never go off when you need them to go off. They go off when the tornadoes. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! This is hilarious. When we were in California, my dad was like, "Don't get on the bridges." Don't do this because, you know, if you have an earthquake, you'll die. And I was like, so are there earthquake warnings? Like sirens? And everybody laughed. And I was like, well, they have tornadoes, (laughs) sirens. It's kind of like I felt like Ryan did when I had a tornado. And he was like, should I boil water? I just didn't know. I was trying to be helpful. But no, really, it's like that. It's like the tornado is going off. You're hanging onto the side of the bridge. And in the background, you hear this little alarm start up to warn you of what just happened. (laughs) See, you here? Yeah. Okay. You, you're saying my name. Do you? What do you? What do you need? No, I didn't. Know you, I, didn't, I, didn't I, oh. I thought. I thought we lost you. Say my name. Say my name. Oh God. No, right. no, 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 no. So I just have to tell you. So Jen calls me. And we're on the phone, and I'm trying to. Like, <laughs> poor Jen has gone through so much. I'm trying. To I be, know. I'm trying I was, to be I bad. You I'm guys trying to be. I'm, stop feeling bad. Your house was under a toilet water. <laughs> stop, stop it. Stop it. I'm trying to be like upbeat about things, and Jennifer. like I called him, and I was like, I'm so bummed. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, hello. <laughs> and, okay, so I'm trying to be both helpful and supportive simultaneously. So helpful and supportive. Kind of like I will hold you up when you cannot stand on your own, like one of those things. And I'm on the phone with Jen, and she's driving with her husband. And she, uh, I said, well, what are you doing now? And completely deadpan, she says, I need to go iron his Eagle Scout certificate so it doesn't warp. <laughs> And, on the, and when she says warp, I completely crack up laughing as though she has not just lost all of her worldly possessions. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. And Jen starts laughing. And she's like, James, do you know what he just said? And she tries to say it like five times. And every time she says, <laughs> and like you can tell she's doing the thing where like her stomach is cramping up. She's laughing so hard. And all of a sudden she's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell James when he's in a better mindset. Because you guys picture James glaring at her with this Eagle Scout certification. Because his Eagle Scout certifications 
that were in frames. We had them like in boxes in the floor because we were, you know, procrastinating to put things on the wall. And the water came through and just, I mean, I'm sure you know what happens when you get water on paper and that the paper just get gets wavy and like, yeah, and it was like stained halfway. It was awful. Oh, and he sad. was so upset. I was like, honey, I think we can buy another one. I think you can order those. Eli, Eli's yeah, an Eagle can. Scout and he's lost his, I think, and been able to have it replaced. My dad's yeah. an Eagle Scout. Really? Wow. Aren't they great guys to it's date, though? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't oh, find my car in a mall Scouts. parking lot. Hey, seriously, women out there, <laughs> you need to find yourself an Eagle Scout because those They're boys. Good men. They're I'm just an Eagle it. Scout. Just I'm make a great, it on the I'm computer. I'm a great catch. I am not an Eagle it. Scout. I have what? many. Re- I am not an Eagle Scout, and I have many redeeming qualities. Well, your husband's not an Eagle Scout either. There you go. But my dad is. Okay. So. Well, and Ryan's taken. So yes, I yeah. am taken. Single women look for an Eagle Scout because seriously, they're great guys, they and are, they yeah. can do stuff like start fires because you never That's know true. when you'll need that one. <laughs> you never exactly. know exactly. Jen- and tie really cool knots. Jen, in I your shoes. Have, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> Jen, I just have to say, yeah. you need an Eagle Scout, because with your track record, there's there's no telling when you'll be in the middle of a natural disaster. I'm not really sure I want to go to Chicago with Jen. No, I'm kidding. I want to get on a plane. I just want to get on a plane no. with Jen. That's my only restriction. That hurts my feelings, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm so excited about going to Chicago with Jen. I'm yes. excited. Oh. Yes, and if anybody wants to come see us and meet us yes. in Chicago, Oh, we will be there with yes, we'll course, be there for Terminus in like yes. a year. But we shouldn't say this now. We shouldn't say this now because, for all we know, a week before you're gonna go, something will come up and you won't be able to go. So we should. If you no. guys really do go, I live like a few hours from Chicago. So. Oh, no. oh my god, that'd be so much fun. We have to get Ryan down there. It's yeah, awful. he's all. He's We're all. Over. I'm not down. gonna be able to come. I might be able to come. I'm just saying, don't give people's hopes up. There's oh, thousands Jen. of people out there now who want to meet Jen, and if she doesn't show up. They're going to come looking for Chi. <laughs> oh, they'll be looking for Chi. We're going to be walking around Terminus hand in hand singing. So I think we're staying I think we're staying with Rob from Spellcast. I think we what? are. What? Is Rob from <laughs> Spellcast now? <laughs> I'll be yeah. there. Jen, we'll I have to tell you, when you were in California, he was wearing dark sunglasses and a weird-looking hat, like, ducking down, because he was afraid. Why? Because oh. apparently your your love of his sexy voice is well-known. Ooh, really? Yeah. How is that? I don't know, but if he's an Eagle Scout, you should just run for it. It was on the podcast. (laughs) That whole bit was on the podcast. Well, that's true. And you told him in his face. If you're listening, listening, Rob, are you an Eagle Scout? I'm I'm typing (laughs) to him right now. Are you an Eagle Scout? Wait, are you talking to him now? I'm typing him the message right now. Ryan, it's your own role. You're not supposed to IM during podcasts. It's okay if it's part of the podcast, Jennifer. You're not supposed to IM during podcasts? Do you see he uses Jennifer when he's pissed off at me? (laughs) <laughs> Jen is literally you know my work saying? wife. I just have to tell you. <laughs> my work wife. We're the we're like the we're I the ones that. who like, you know, there's no sex or any type of, you know, attraction whatsoever. We no. just fight. No, we are we are Puff was husband and wife. Yeah. We are mom That's and so dad. Like yeah. really is the other day Ryan called me Lady Chi and I about had a fit because I thought he was mad at me. It's like you have a <laughs> It's like the first episode. I believe I was like, sucking up I to you. Do? Right? You were talking about editing, yeah. I was trying to suck up you to were you. Ever you were giving many instructions. For those of you interested in, in, in editing an episode of Potterfic Weekly, just know that you're going to have to be on the phone with Ryan for like three hours while he tells you how to do it. Like, even if no, you know how to no, do no, no. it. Chi, don't scare him away. 
If you would have... Actually, if you're not prepared to do one episode, you should really stop with the advertising blitz. No, if you would like to edit an episode of Puffwa, we will give you 150 points to your house. No, we <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say $150. I'd be like, oh, Do we have $150? Right. No, I'm homeless. I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> you remind me of Cousin Eddie from like National Lampoons. Like, Clark, I want you to get yourself something, something really nice. Like, Jen's just like, we'll give you $150. Ryan, pay him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Speaking of, did anybody see this Star Wars family guy? Oh my no, god, that was so awesome. it. Wasn't it hilarious? Oh, it's so When is it going to be on YouTube? <laughs> Probably already. Probably already is. Before Chi starts going looking for it, why don't we start the episode tonight? Oh, Meg, did you have a story that can beat homelessness? I don't Stop think it. it could beat homelessness. Yes, it can. Yes, Go it for can. it, Meg. Go for it. Meg, it's just, know? it's like a funny kind of story. Okay. So I just started work last week, and for the first week that I was there, um, my husband is actually watching the kids during the day, just for the first week. And I come home last Tuesday, I think it was, and on our kitchen table, on a, there's like a piece of paper, and then on the piece of paper is a live mouse, and on top of that is like yeah. one of my vases. Do you guys, no. do any of you guys get mice in your house at all? Uh, yeah, I live in an apartment. Well, in Wisconsin, they're everywhere. And when it starts to get cold, like it does now, they, they try inside. to find a way in. Right. And right. we're, it, I mean, we usually don't have a problem because we have a cat that's a really good mouser who is part of the story. And also because, I mean, you know, you put traps on, whatever. Anyway, so I look at this mouse and it looks really depressed for one thing because I don't think there's any air in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I like lift the vase up just a little bit to put some, like let some air in and then I put it down and I go to my husband. I'm like, so you want to explain the mouse trapped on the table? And he's like, well, I found it by the window and it was like disoriented. It was, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, disoriented. Meg, I apologize for interrupting. Jen, Rob from Spellcast is not an Eagle Scout. Meg, continue. <laughs> That's a bummer, but sexy voice all the same. Anyway, <laughs> um, so so I said, disoriented? Okay, how do you mean? And he says, well, it looks like it was lost. <laughs> and I was, what? I'm like, okay, it's lost. <laughs> uh, he said it was like stumbling around. Oh, huh. <laughs> on the ground. The mouse had a seizure in your house and, and he trapped well, it under a vase to kill it. Why is, is it, it in a vase? Water? No, this story, it gets much, much worse. Oh, so I said, well, because, you know, if you've ever seen a mouse before, they're really fast. So I guess it would be sort of, I guess, alarming to see one kind of stumbling around and everything, but... And really slow and whatever. So he decided that he, I should see it. And the backstory to that is when we were dating, he trapped a mouse in a chip bag and gave it to me. It's hard to believe Why you have children with this man. <laughs> because I really like animals. And it was really cute. Um. <laughs> I would have thrown up. Did you, just, did you just like look at him and say like, yes, I'll marry you. <laughs> no, no, no. I was kind of. I know. I said he's greasy. <laughs> he had like chip grease on him. It was gross, but it was kind of cute. Anyway. I feel like I'm getting way too much of an interior look at Meg's love life right now. <laughs> doesn't take much. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't take much. Yeah, I'm easily impressed. Um, it's not 
my god. Like so Draco in story says, um, emeralds, diamonds, racing brooms, or, you know, rats. Greasy <laughs> 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 <Reesey> mice. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so he says, so I'm like, okay, so why is it still on the table? And he's like, I don't know. I just thought you should see it. So I'm like, okay. So I kind of just leave it there because I'm not really sure what to do with it. I mean, I know that Ryan has taken care of mice before. Different but Ryan, I don't- different Ryan. Yeah, Ryan too. I would like yelp and jump up on the coffee table. Continue. Yeah. (laughs) So I know that he's like taking care of, and I'm saying taking care of in like quotes, like as in the mafia taking care of mice before, (laughs) but I don't like want to know about it because I think it's sad. So, but then later, my two year old Noah was trying to let the mouse out. And so I went to her and I was like, okay, you really have to, I don't know what. I don't want to know what you do with it. I don't care what happens, but you have to get rid of the mouse. So he's like, okay, I'll go take care of it. You know, because they could have a disease or something. Yeah, so Rabies will make that, will do right. that with mice. Yeah. Ex- right? yeah. Mice well, actually, eat? what we figured was that the cat had been playing with it and, like, yeah. torturing it. Oh my, and yeah, so yeah, then was, it was... I'll just orient it, too. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna mouse is right. blows it off the kitchen table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Glass <laughs> everywhere. Mouse- so the mouse is gone and I don't say anything about it. I don't think about it. I don't ask because I don't want to know what he did to it. Mm-hmm. So we have some friends over and one of our friends goes into the bathroom and he starts laughing hysterically. And he's like, Ryan, you have to come in here. And so the rest of us are like, why is he inviting Ryan into the bathroom? So <laughs> I would ask. Yeah. So we all go in there. Evidently, my husband had tried to flush the mouse down the toilet. Oh my god. <laughs> so the mouse is back. He crawled up the pipe and is sitting in the toilet wet and shivering. And Ryan's like, freaking oh. that's something that would happen to Jen. She's like rubbing <laughs> off on you. No, 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 don't say that. Oh my gosh, I would cry. You have lizards in I, your toilet. Jen, I almost did cry. I felt it's so warm. terrible. And I Ryan's can't like, well, Toilets. <laughs> a lot of people do that here. That's well, it's sad, or you have movie, to kill it. it. You have to like hit it on the head and kill it or something. Oh my and my God. husband and Ryan, Ryan didn't want to do that, which I kind oh of understand. Control, and they can bring a cage. Animal control for a mouse. Jen's the person I know that animal control is speed dial two for a <laughs> no. We have poison and, speed dial. In Wisconsin, you call animal control for a bear. <laughs> if you call them for a mouse, they'd laugh at you. Really? But, um, Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Just like if you called them for a deer, they would laugh at you. I mean, you call them for big game. Oh. So the mouse is shivering today. in the toilet, and Ryan's like, well, I have to kill it. And I was like, you can't kill it now. It has a will to live. It <laughs> you crawled back up the toilet. <laughs> I said, we have to let it live now. But, you know, the thing is, is if you throw them back out, they'll come back in. So I put it in the vase, and I went over to my neighbor's yard and dumped it <laughs> You're not very popular on your street, are you? <laughs> no. Well, I had to walk like a mile to put it in their yard. Funny story. Okay. So uh, the night before my best friend moved to Denver, she went over to my house. And it was late at night. And I have this old Tomcat. His name is O'Malley. Mm-hmm. And um, he is a great mouser. He's a really great hunter. And um, my friend, she comes running up to my door. And I open it up, and I was like, oh, hi, Risa. And she's like, gee, you've got to come out here. And I said, what? She goes, there's somebody screaming. 
He's like, okay. So I came outside, and I go around the back, and my cat is playing with this squirrel. And the squirrel is screaming. She's like, gee, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. I was like, what am I supposed to do about it? So anyway, we basically let, we let my cat kill the squirrel, and we went back inside. My friend Reese is like, that's just so awful. I can't believe it was screaming like that. And my sister, sitting on the couch, looks over and goes, well, it was dying. You'd be screaming, too. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. oh. Oh, poor squirrel. I think that no. was too close to the death of Bernard. Oh, no. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Okay. Too soon. Why too soon. Me- no more animal death right. on the podcast. Why don't we jump into the chapters for tonight? I found out why I'm deep. And I'm <laughs> brilliant. You sure did. I am freaking brilliant. I picked up on all of the damn clues. I suck at Trivial Pursuit, but I picked up on every other thing. During that episode, when we were talking about those chapters, and you're saying what Draco said, you're like, oh, I thought that was interesting. Why would he say that? I totally, I am Jen. I'm like, what? How does he know? I I know. It was a line of confusing dialogue, and I picked up on it like nobody else. I think I listened to the episode the other day, and after he says something, there's like silence, and then we're all like, Oh my god. I'm shocked I didn't edit the silence out, because I frequently do that to make us seem smarter than we actually are. I make us, <laughs> I make us seem like the cast of The West Wing Ryan, when really we're like the cast of that. SNL. That was odd silence. Yeah, and don't tell them. We're, yeah, they, they don't need to know. Their the real recordings are... Awkward and, and, and long and, and, and... They have special edition four, they need to know. That is true. <laughs> That's right. Five points to Gryffindor for remembering exactly which one was unedited. Well, special edition number four was unedited because we really didn't talk about anything in the episode. So if I like leave it unedited, really, it'd be it was so hilarious. It'd be a twelve-minute episode. Okay, so apparently (laughs) I am freaking brilliant. Yeah, and Jen explains it to me. She, I'm back. Well, he went to prep school. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I was like, oh. Well, that explains it, it's The 40 grand I spent on prep school prepared me for the moment where I had to decode Draco Malfoy's inner turmoil. Hello. Jen? Can you hear me now? Oh, God, Good. you're officially that guy. <laughs> uh, I cracked myself. Up. All right. And our chapters for tonight's episode are going to be chapters 46 through 50 of A Year Like None Other by Aspen in the Sunlight. Jen, unfortunately, had a full-grown mountain troll attack her computer, break her microphone in half. So we have Jen from an undisclosed location right now on her cell phone. Hello. Jen sounds very upset. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) There's really no way to know Jen's house floods. Hi! How are you? Are you the insurance adjuster? I'm not upset. I'm fine. It just depends on the length of the high. That's true. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Jen, say hi right now. What? Say- <laughs> there you go. Hi, Jen. Hi. Okay, see, that was a happy hi. Okay, we're fine. We're fine. All right, Jen, I have a question just out of curiosity. Do you love these chapters? I love these chapters. I just love, like, I love the owl order. I love the detail that she puts into that. I just like the whole concept of it. I just think it's so imaginative that she creates, like, in the magical world, these real-world rules and policies, kind of, that we have. Like, to me, it sounded eBay. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like you have identity theft protection in the magical world. It's kind of cool. Right. Well, it's like a really weird system. It's like make an imprint of your key and mail it, and they'll go get a goblin to crack your vault open and say around how much you want to spend. Like, like <laughs> you can tell this is a community of like 45 people or else this could get very bad. Well, I guess it's no different from ours. I mean, we send out everybody's check number and routing number on checks and just give them away to people. So that's kind of... I'm thinking way too deep. I'm sorry. I'm getting an MBA. <laughs> I, I apologize. I need to back away, back away, back away. All right. I want to tell everyone why I loved these chapters. Now, last week, as you all know, before the podcast, I ate bad cheese. And I was grumpy. And I wouldn't let certain things go. Now, I think that in retrospect, for author for authors, I'm making myself an author, for readers like Meg and I, who in Chitu, who don't read stories like a year like none other usually, who tend to stick to canon, which, gee, is that kind of fair? Uh, Well, you do do Hermione Snape stuff, but is that generally, well, besides that one little quirk in you, like, is that generally fair that you tend to stick? That's generally fair. That's a guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. You're allowed. I just have to say, I think we have a smut-filled blooper reel for you tonight, but I can't be sure. Of <laughs> All right. Now, like, like, like here's the thing. I think that for people, and, I, and Jen and I were having this conversation. Jen and I, after last episode, had this, like, two-hour screaming match on this on the phone when I was dry. Okay. Well, for Jen, it was a screaming match. For the, it was it was Jen basically laughing, but sternly at me. Um, <laughs> it was sternly. Really? You were grumpy last week? I was grumpy last week. Well, I was, here's yeah, the thing. Last, I like, had his grumpy pants last night. I did. And I, and I, and and, and, and I went number two. All right, here's the thing. I mean, <laughs> like this is this is like, this is I think what happened last week because I because I thought about it. Like at the beginning of last week, for those of you who didn't listen to it, I we went for 45 minutes on is this well written Snape or not. And I think the reason, in retrospect, we did that was for people like me who don't generally read uh, you know stories outside of canon. This is my first you know dip into that pond, and it's a really new thing for me. So I think after a while, the fact that you're reading that type of story just hits you, and you just need to work out your feelings for it. And that unfortunately happened in the middle of last week's episode. So for those of you wondering why I was fixated, it was either that or bad cheese, and I really won't tell you which one bad it was. Cheese. It was bad. <laughs> I may have, yeah, I may have had bad cheese. I don't know. Mac Coming and, from someone who knows cheese, if you have bad cheese, it's a bad situation. Uh, it's a, it is a bad situation. You know, <laughs> from beginning to end. It's a very binding situation. And, All the way um, the- yeah. It could be a It could take hours to resolve. <laughs> and like everything, it just needs to work itself out. Now, that was what I think happened last week, and I think it was a good discussion, I think we needed to have it, and I think I solidified my thoughts on Snape and Draco and everything, so if you want to know what they were, listen to last week's episode again, which hopefully by the time we're releasing this episode, last week's episode is out. But, Jen, you're right? Yep. Jen's being burglarized right now. No, I'm just turning the air off. Okay. <laughs> Jen's, like, Jen's like, this is terrible, I'm trying to kill myself. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's like the it's like the rat in the it's like the mouse in the vase. Just no, it's, I'm just leaving. I'm not gonna stay here at not Tom. If I can't use what I was using. Oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be remote control. Jen, Jen is driving to an undisclosed <laughs> location. Dr- this is I don't but know. That's remote control. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing, Jen. Just continue with the podcast. All right. So no, I mean, what does that mean? I know what a remote control is. <laughs> You're like from a re- no, that's not right. Why did I say that? That was the bad cheese talking again. For guys. <laughs> All right, so that was it what came back 
up to make another. Well, so here's the thing. So here's the thing. Last week's episode, I go off on the on the word cleaver tangent, and I go off on you know, all these different tangents. Oh, you know, I go off on the on the on the on the Hermione Ron tangent. I go off all these different tangents last week, and then I sit down and read the chapters for this week, and it was like. Aspen wrote the last set of chapters and then said to herself, Aspen, write for someone like Ryan. And like every problem I had in the early chapters was resolved by the end of chapter 46. And then chapter 47 started and I got worried. And then all the other problems I had were resolved by the end of chapter 47. So basically I called Jen and screamed at her. Why'd you let me go off for 25 minutes if everything would get resolved in the next chapter? But Jen, of course, just laughed at me. Like that. See? This is what I live with all the time. Yes, he put up with he puts up with so much. I do. I do. Jen's Jen's like, Ryan, I need to go, my house is flooding. And I'm like, shut up, I need to yell at you. <laughs> no. Stop laughing, you're homeless. <laughs> There's no laughing when you're homeless. Oh my oh, god. I'm gonna go split my wrist. I'll be back. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can hear Jen driving. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> oh my! Goodness. I won't be happy and cheerful. All right, moving on, moving on, moving on. All right. So I love. Like one thing I will say about these chapters is I think Aspen does a really good job throughout these chapters of making each of the characters seem both real to canon and to the universe that she has created. I think it would be very easy to get very dramatic and have huge, you know, tears in relationships and really push these characters, you know, fully into different relationships and break, you know, foundations and really, really, really push push the envelope. And Aspen doesn't do that. And she, I think, really writes a story that has obviously captivated many people who look for this type of story, who feel at home with this type of story, and for new people like me trying to, you know, wade into it, it really appealed to me as well. I thought all of the characters were real, were restrained, and I think she really found a a great blend in these chapters, and this is exactly what I was waiting for last week. I just love all the angst. Yeah. The angst. The angst (laughs) fest. Yeah, and it yes, was. And, and she does such comfort. Like I that, think that's what makes me addicted to the story. Yeah, because like I like reading about that. Um, you it know, is angsty. <laughs> it's angsty. <laughs> and I, I, I figured it out. <laughs> I mean, well, I didn't even realize how much Jen liked the angst until I read. Well, I should have known because of this story and what with the so win. But also, um, I read a couple of her recommendations, and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Jen is the queen of angst. Jen, like, okay, when you go to the fan fiction bit, like, museum, when you walk into the Harry Potter fan fiction <laughs> museum, Jen is the person who works in the room behind the curtain that you can't see through with the red rope in front of it. Oh, uh, Wouldn't that be cool if that was a real place? That doesn't make yeah. me only liking the angst and torture. Actually, I don't know if I don't like anything that doesn't have some angst. And I think that's what's so great about romance, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't that define romance. It reminds me of the way you hooked up with your husband. Will you marry me? Shut up! Well, I mean, there's no angst between James and me. I mean, we're just dorky, but I'm sure in really passionate romance stories, there's got to be some angst there. Yeah, I'm dorky, too, with Danielle. Meg, how you guys doing? Are, are you and your husband we- angsty? Sure. Are y'all... Ro- 
I love how we're like four dorky people trying to understand angst. (laughs) I actually, oh no, we actually are angsty. In fact, whenever we haven't like had a fight in like a little while, Uh he'll pick fights with me on purpose. And I'm, I'm, and I respond. And I would say, what are you doing? And I said, what are you doing? Why are you picking fights with me? And he's like, we haven't fought in a long time. It's getting kind of boring. And I'm like, okay. And then we fight. Oh, I do that with Daniel. Oh, that's angst. Oh, I'm angsty. Well, it's as angsty as it's going to get in real life. (laughs) I picked a fight with Danielle the morning I proposed to her. Really? Uh, yes. That's more well, that like a diversionary tactic. That well, well, that was a diversion. I got so upset with me that I'm like, haha, you have to marry me now. Well, uh, Drake okay. doesn't do angst at all. He doesn't fight. I'm like, honey, what do you think about this? Okay. <laughs> and that's what gives me angst. Honey, have a freaking opinion. <laughs> Jen, oh stop looking at me and seeing your husband. I know he's just me because I love you, and I'm like, shut up. All right, Jack. <laughs> Back to the story. Back to the story. Okay. Back. Why am I the on-topic one all of a sudden? When the hell? I don't I... Know. In the last two weeks, oh, I'm like, face. I'm like the guy. I'm like Leslie Nielsen. Please disperse. There is nothing to see here. All right. All I know okay. is I've been trying to talk for the last five minutes, and Ryan keeps talking over me. And so. she no, has a new microphone. Okay. Well, no. Oh, huh? we forgot to introduce everyone. This is Chi. If you haven't understood the words she said <laughs> in the past thirty-one episodes, this is Lady Chi. Chi, take I, it. I feel like I, I'm back with my old mic. I keep going. But I, 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 Just as you said that, there was a burst of static. <laughs> she just had <laughs> nostalgia. Okay. Um, there's a lot of angst with me and Eli, so there you go. That's an angst. Yeah, yeah, is. All, y'all are doing the long-distance tortured love thing. Yes. And that's, that has angst. All that's the ladies who have angst. access to the ladies' parlor know that there is angst between she and Eli. <laughs> for those of you who would like to know about the angst between she and Eli, register at parlorpickforum.com. I think that the robe and mask part of this story is one of the most angsty parts well, I think I think the Roman mask, you know, <laughs> really like for a second I have to I'm not gonna lie, when you first said that I was picturing Chi Eli in like a Roman mask and role no, play. No, no, and no, I no. went off the deep end and I climbed <laughs> like literally I climbed out like Jordy LaForge in that Star Trek episode when he's marooned on the planet with a Romulan. And you know Hold like, on, I'll be right back, guys. Uh, where are you going? We're in the middle of angst. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, well, I'll just stand here and wait. We'll just talk about her and Eli role-playing more while she's gone. <laughs> oh, please don't. I have visuals of Jen and, and oh. James. And, Jen, you all right? Yeah, I'm, like, laying in the back of my dad's pickup truck in the, par- in the, in the driveway. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's that noise in the background? Me breathing heavy. No, to get are, into the is truck. there, like, animals or something? Why are you in the back of the truck? <laughs> Me, oh, are you hearing the cricket? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are. I knew immediately. I was like, there's some crickets oh, in there. Okay. Never mind, I'll go in. I forgot about them. I didn't even notice them. How many crickets are there? <laughs> there's, it's like, outside. a billion. Yeah, there's woods Yeah, around. I don't even want to know. They're really loud and obnoxious. It's hard yeah, to I hate when you get one in your bedroom and you can't sleep. Oh. It's awful. Stupid crickets in your stupid bedroom. Oh my god, you're in a bad mood today. <laughs> the stupid crickets, stupid bedroom. No, if there's anything that I can't handle the not sleeping. Ugh. Stupid husband. Stupid husband. Stupid we were talking bedroom. we were talking about angst between you and Eli. All I can say, everybody, is anyone who wants to know why there's angst between she, her boyfriend, and Japan, please register at powerfickforum.com. 
Yes, yes, yes. All right. Daniel says he's going to be back in the States, though. For anybody who cares, he's going to be back in the States. He says, I didn't know that he was in Japan. Where did you think he was? Yeah, he I don't was. know. I didn't know. I didn't remember that. He's stationed in the Marine Corps base in Okinawa, Japan. And he's been in Afghanistan and Iraq. And oh, wow. he's kind of scared me half to death over the last three years. So, anyway. If anyone ever needs to meet Chia, the Harry Potter-related event, she's the one who's, you know, in her early 20s with white hair. So just... <laughs> very easy yeah. to catch. Very easy to catch. Very easy to that's catch. That's an angst relationship. Th- this is, that's full of angst. The, the worst yeah. angst I have with Danielle is, do you want the cheese it so the cheese nips? <laughs> See what I'm talking about? Picking fights. You have to do something or else... Oh, no. I, I totally out. did pick a fight with her in the morning I proposed to her. I got her all upset with me. Then I was like, ha let's get married. That's this is fun. Not Nice. This is getting married. That's like James faking proposing twice before I actually did it. Yeah, didn't he get and down? Then I said, like, you jerk, and the guy in the band was like, "Is that mean yes?" <laughs> You're like, unfortunately, good to have. It's like Arthur and Molly proposing. <laughs> All right, yeah, kind of Hermione proposing. I need oh. to write a fic about that. Oh, you, oh no, you just need to read after the end. He does it perfectly. Oh. I'm going to go read that right now. <laughs> he does. He no, does. I- about, guys, guys, seriously, we're talking about a year like none other. <laughs> Crap. Yes, a year like none other. I, this, okay, let's start from the beginning, honestly. <laughs> right. I love okay. these chapters. When Draco shows up at the hospital wing after, I don't know if you remember this, at one point in the story, Harry had his eyes plucked out. Um, you know, it, it, he shows up and says to Harry, you know, something about, you know, you missed me. And Draco has this peculiar expression, you know, and, and he seems off character. I said to myself, there must be something coming on that. And everyone in the podcast went, <gasps> and like, it turns out I am just a brilliant individual. Cause I, I like that, that was, I, I found that great foreshadowing Aspen. Cause even I could pick up on it. And I, I like, I totally got that. I totally got like, and I'm just gloating here, everybody. Cause I really, I thought I nailed the part where, um, Snape assassinates Vernon. I thought I, I did that very well. Um, that I thought that I, that part played true. That that part felt very true. Um, I love the fact that I I I could somewhat see why Draco. I don't would turn remember away from, that. Which part? How horrible! Is, I don't remember Snape going and murdering Vernon. Well, he, he didn't. But didn't. I predicted it. <laughs> oh, I'm like um, that didn't happen. He said it would, and <laughs> that it didn't, didn't happen. happen. That's true. Okay, now I'm one for two. And, um, oh. all right. So, so, so there were some things which, which, I, which I was able to guess, but I, like, I do love the fact that I predicted that Snape would want, write one of those brilliant letters that nobody can understand, but you know, he's telling you to go F off and you, it's so well hidden that you actually thank him for writing the letter. I thought, I, I love that part. I thought that was Can great. any of us read that letter? I have could. it in front of you. I c- Please read, read it because, but wait, should we go like from the beginning and get there, or are we going to skip around again? Uh, whatever you want. Why don't we start from the beginning? Um, so the beginning is Harry. Harry is writing Christmas uh, notes to everybody who is nice to him, which takes him about twenty seconds. <laughs> well, he That's gives Ron something because I know. Well, he gives Ron something because he's you know he doesn't want to not be friends with Ron ever. And Hermione was nicer about the adoption, so she gets a better. <laughs> That's. I love the fact that he's like Hermione got an extra five dollars in her paycheck this week because Hermione was just a little bit nicer than that dumbass. But uh, sorry, <laughs> really, Mike. like my six-year-old cousin is that way. Though seriously, like when he's filling out Valentines and stuff, I'm giving this one to Mandy because she's my girlfriend and she's nice to me. 
but I'm not giving one to so-and-so because he's mean, you know? And you're just like, okay. Wow. <laughs> Jen's, like, amazed the people I, I was like, I was the kid who made sure every kid in the class got Valentine's Day cards. Oh, I bet you were. That's no surprise. Uh-huh. I bet you Really? Were. I was. So nice. <laughs> that really is not surprising. I was like the kid that was like, I don't like any of you, and I'm not giving any of you a Valentine. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's hard to believe. Except for the teacher. Gee, <laughs> you want to read it? Um, yes. Let me find it. Miss Granger, you're. Ooh, I'm not. Okay, here we go. Ready? <laughs> Try again. This is gonna. This is gonna be my. Um. This is gonna be the. Ryan's gonna laugh at me. This. This, this is, is gonna, gonna be, be where I won't be intimidated around she anymore. Extremely intelligent and a writer, and you're gonna be fine. I'm gonna be fine. It's just I understand what all these words mean, but I don't think that I've ever had to say them out loud. Oh, because I was one of those. I was. I was told in elementary school I couldn't use all the big words that I used. All because right. We're gonna play a game here. Like, between all of us, we're going to see if we can read the letter out loud in one sitting. Miss Granger. Did I say that right? Okay. I think so, yeah. Your Sedalia's concern for Harry's welfare aside, you should be more chary of asserting truisms, your own puerile suppositions. Harry's report with me is not in any sense pathological. It is based on a confluence of several factors and was established well in advance of the infelicitous advance of Sam of Sawin. Moreover, I take a personal affront to, at the allegation, implicit throughout your prolex missive, that I did not that I do not regard him as my son. Psychology, Miss Granger, does not appear to be your Mattier, Professor Severus Snape. You did very well. And I don't know what it really means. Like, obviously, I know what it means, but like that, is, like I love the fact that he writes the BS letter mm-hmm. and that he oh, yeah. BS is Hermione. I just like that. Like, I was hoping that like he would do something like that. I just that just really cracked me well, up. I, I just thought that was love great. That she understood it. Yeah, I think it's so <laughs> like, funny that Snape's like, get it. or Harry I'm was like, like she, she won't get it. She's not going to get it. I mean, she's smart, but she's not that smart. I was like, Harry. We're talking about Hermione here. Well, what I really like about Aspen is she writes things like that, and then she allows Harry to be an idiot so the rest of us can figure out what the heck that was saying. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Like, I've learned learned vocabulary words through this story. Like, I use prolix now. (laughs) It's like an actual word. When do you use prolix in a sentence? Oh, I use it all the time because it means long, really long, excessively long. Yep. Like AI so, was prolix. <laughs> right. So, is it prolix? I use supposition a lot. Oh, because I say it wrong, then. <laughs> I say it. <laughs> I sound intelligent, retardedly. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's Latin. I mean, it's, it's based on a Latin root, so it should be prolix. Is it? Right? Yeah. I don't know. All right, we're going to move I on. Know, I bet prolix. Okay, can I also, like, to move back to the beginning a little bit? Mm-hmm. I love how they're looking for sows. And yes. Draco is like, um, don't yell at me. Don't be mad at me. It's an accident. And Harry's like, oh, don't be an idiot. And and he goes, I'm not mad. And Draco goes, could have fooled me. And Draco goes, it's not like I think he did it on purpose. I'm worried. All right. <laughs> like, I'm like, he's such a woman. <laughs> he's so, so married in this moment. <laughs> I know. And I like it. every other moment. Like, here, like, this is the moment where I realize I can deal with this. Like, I, I can deal with this chapter. I, I think I like where this is going. I, like, like, okay. Harry loses his, like, in the thing we talked about last week, too. During every one of these chapters, I feel like Snape and Draco are 12 years old. 
And yeah. that yeah. that's but that's okay because Jen brought up a great point in the last episode that maybe Harry and Draco, you know, just based on, you know, the huge changes in their life, you know, Harry with Sawane and Draco with, you know, what happens at Sawane and getting emancipated. Actually if you think about it, it's it's the same event that really sends them both in different directions. It's the same plot device. But, you know, you can make an argument that both of them through what they've been through are younger on some level than they are, you know, biologically, but on the other hand, on many levels, they're more mature, but you know, whatever, like I can live with it, but they do seem like they're much younger in the story, but whatever. They're very, they're very typical of trauma victims. Yes. I would, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm pretty sure Aspen has taken a course or two on psychology for the course of her lifetime. Maybe she wrote the book. This is pretty, this is pretty textbook, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's also really classic of people that have gotten a lot of attention in their lives, right. you know, because both yeah. I think Draco has and Harry also has obviously gotten a lot of attention. Like I know a little girl and she was really sick when she was like four and five. And obviously she got a lot of attention because nobody would treat a child that was sick any other way, nor should they. As a result of it, now that she's fine, she sort of is more mature than other kids her age. But at the same time, she's she sort of reverts back to her four or five year old self and seeks out attention a mm-hmm. lot. Well, that's because she's not getting as much as she's used to. Yeah, and that's huge in the story of Harry and Snape here, and it's something which you do see in the real world. It's like if a kid has cancer, do you make him clean his room? You know, if if you don't, right. you, you you feel terrible for being mean to the poor kid with cancer. But if you don't make him do it, then you know you have a situation where the kid becomes very snobby and very you know has this sense of entitlement. But that's the main thing with Snape here. Snape is the only person who treats Harry like a regular person, you know, and Draco does as well. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, he bonds with them more than his other friends. Now, let me just say one thing. This is where I realized that these chapters were a turnaround for me personally. When Harry loses Sal's, he calls Snape in his classroom. Now, if it were Ward Cleaver Snape, I think he would have, you know, rushed home and let the poor Hufflepuff burn alive in his potion, you know, because you know, Harry needs Sal's and, you know, Sal needs help. That seemed very natural. The fact that Snape would not respond and that Snape would be very stern with him. That was Snape. And the fact that Harry, you know, felt like you were just saying, he felt like he was entitled at that point and he got very angry at Snape kind of, you know, for not being there for his every need. That felt natural too. And that, that felt real. That's how Snape should react. That's how Harry should react based on Snape's reaction. That whole scene felt absolutely true to me, but you're right. Draco, big woman. Well, the big woman, I think that's when we, I, I went, Oh my gosh, he's such a little pompous when, when they're packing and Snape, uh, you, you know, Harry's got like his duffel bag and like, Oh, Draco, what is that line? He says, you prioritize, I accessorize. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Huh? Not good. I laughed so hard on that line. That's so true to the to the Draco that we all know and love, though. I was thinking about this today, just how versatile the character of Draco is. I mean, look at the three fics that we've covered on Pyrofic Weekly. In the first fic that we covered, Draco is a, you know, he's a conspirator in attempted murder. You know, he he's this awful, vengeful, injured, wounded animal. In the next fic that we discover, he is working for the Order only because it suits his purposes, and only due to the fact that he has nothing else left, he, you know, begrudgingly comes around, you know, and becomes somewhat of a passable human being. And now we have a Draco who is, he, you know, faced with the same decisions. He is a more 
honorable person than maybe he ever knew. And it's not the way the character went in canon, but I just, I love this Draco. And I love the fact that he can be so honorable and he can be so, you know, instinctually, you know, intelligent and in how he, he just, he, he is such an inner Slytherin, you know, in, in how, you know, in, in positive ways, you know, you always think of Slytherin as bad and, you know, that he, sh- he shows, you know, the, the, the cunning that is Slytherin, but at the same point, he's got like, you know, like this, like entire line of luggage and he's got <laughs> like four people helping him carry it. And he's got like, you know, like the little Maltese dog in the cage. Like, I just, like, I just love the fact that you can cram so many different layers into this one character here. I think it's wonderful. I just, I, I've, Mm-hmm. I re- and there were scenes here where I think Jen was expecting me to put the story down and say, I can't read this. It's too mushy. She I had, was really waiting for it. She ca- no, she calls me at work. Did you get there yet? Remember, I love the story. Click. Like, <laughs> and, and I kept sending her messages. I'm like, you jerk. Why don't you tell me? God, you know, like, like all the things I was afraid about, you know, weren't really going to be problems. And I actually, I finished the, the chapters today and I really liked where they went. And I think the reason is, I think Snape and Harry, and you said this last week, Jen, you said this wasn't a, a fic about Snape. I think last week, Snape and Harry together, I have some issues with their relationship. I, really, really, really like the Snape-Draco relationship, and I really like yes. the family relationship. I think that's where her story is strongest, because I think Draco is such a versatile character, and I think sometimes, you know, Snape, to move him to where you want him here, it's hard. And I just want to say this real fast, and then I'm going to turn this over to Jen, and we're going to do all plot for the rest of the episode, because we have a lot of plot to catch up on. Yeah. Aspen, mm-hmm. I talked to Aspen last week, and she hasn't heard the last episode yet. Um, we're running a little behind schedule on that, but I did talk to her about my concerns about Ward Cleaver Snape, and her response to that was that if it, it's something I've been saying all along too, that the Snape from the canon that we know is the Snape through Harry's eleven-year-old eyes, twelve-year-old eyes, thirteen-year-old eyes, and the story of the man she is writing about from her perspective is is the is the Snape that we see here. You know, maybe not the Ward Cleaver Snape, but he's a more complex. character character and there's a lot more to him than you would ever see from Harry's eyes. And now, she's definitely backed up by that with uh, Deathly Hallows and Half-Blood Prince. Keep going. Oh yeah, I mean, the, the, well, on some levels. On some levels, um, the, yeah, the Snape from, some levels. from Deathly Hallows, I mean, the Snape from Deathly Hallows showed that he didn't care the least bit for Harry and that, you know, Harry played no part in any of his motives and you could even surmise from that that if not for his love for Lily, Snape would have been a death either to this day. I mean, there wasn't... That's what J.K. Rowling said. She, that's, she came right out yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if it was Neville, if it had been Neville instead of Harry that Voldemort picked, Snape would have been just happy to sit back and watch the whole thing take place. Yeah, so so you can, but you can make the argument though that you know that Aspen had a lot of um, areas in the canon that she could build upon and really pull, you know, the mwahaha moment, you know. It's like kind of like Jen, how she sees a different Dumbledore out there who murders small cats. You know, this is a Snape who is very, um, you know, a Snape that we just have misunderstood all these years. And I, my response to that is, good point. You didn't think about that. Sometimes it's still a little hard to swallow, but good comeback. And- well, I do think Snape is misunderstood in canon, though, and that's why yeah. that is easier to believe. No, I'm not saying and- that. I mean, oh. I'm sorry to make uh, Jen just because you responded there. I just wanted to say I, I. Definitely feel as though I can see where Aspen's coming from. She convinced me partially. I still think there's some areas where it's still still a little bit too much. And then the character... Well, and I think, her, I mean, her 
goal is not necessarily to convince us of it. I mean, it's a story, too. No, I understand that. I guess, yeah, and my response to it, just real fast, was that the fact that we're looking at Snape in the canon, you know, through Harry's 11-year-old eyes, 13-year-old eyes, is a really good point that I had not considered, although I will say that even a 13-year-old can see some things, and that was my reaction. But you know what? I think it's one of those things where I just want to see where the story's going from here, and I'll make my final decision when I do, and maybe I'm in the minority, but... I think I just wanted to share that uh, response there. Meg, what were you saying? I was just saying that, well, even what you said about how Harry's looking at him through a, you know, through 12, 13 year old eyes. I definitely agree with that, which is, which really, and, you know, here to go on a JK, I love JK Rowling kick. It really makes it so that we find out that Snape is complex in book seven. So wonderful because I don't think it would have been believable for Harry to like accept that and, you know what I mean? Yeah. At well, such a young age. But then he's older. He's seen a lot. Okay, now he can understand that. But I do think that he was a misunderstood character in canon, which is why in AYLNO that it's so – it's <laughs> uh, it's easier to, you know, swallow, I guess. But, you know, because being able to love someone so completely makes you complex. It has to. Yeah. I mean, it makes you not Voldemort, basically. Yeah. And we all know how boring he ended up being. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You have one hour. Lamest ever. After one your hour, hour I will get, I Why are you making him sound like he's like the guy at the Chinese restaurant? <laughs> like, B, what were you saying? B, yeah, ten minutes. <laughs> okay, that was bad. Oh, but I think the way that Aspen writes, like when we finally get to the final battle with Voldemort, Code of Voldemort is going to be a freaky, scary guy, I think. Oh, yeah. Organizes like gang rapes and murders. I'm like, that is so much scarier than like yeah. what we have in the children's There's a moment that goes back to Sawin that I want to talk about. I want to get to plot tonight because there's so much good stuff in, in plot wise tonight. All right, we're, so we're doing nothing but plot really until we go. She, go, go, plot, good. Okay, so the after the letter, uh, what do you guys think of all the Gryffindors showing up to uh, as Harry very cunningly points out? To give him a show of support. I, I, yeah, I, love I wanted that. to kick them. I love. Well, well no. I mean, it's a nice thought. You know, it's they're trying. Of. It was so trying. different from the Canon Harry. The Canon Harry would have been like, "That's so nice that they all." Came. Yeah. <laughs> his heart so rose sweet. in his chest, and he went over yeah, and no, murdered Voldemort. So, you know, I basically. love these guys. I'm gonna so well, you no. know almost die to save them. Well, there are many layers. To, <laughs> I just want to say, first of all, two moments I loved. I loved Harry marching into Snape's office saying, "You're my father. Come stand by me." And Snape's response, "Well, you need to deal with some things yourself." And Harry's like, "Come stand by." He's me. like, "Snap, snap, snap." <laughs> and, no. And Snape's like, "All right." Her, Harry walks out and t- invites Hermione in, and she gets shocked by the wards that are there to protect Harry. So Draco jumps up and, like, points his finger at Hermione and screams, I knew it! And, you know, as though she were there to plant a bomb. And Snape simply walks up and says, you know, apparently the wards are not responding to Harry's commands. Welcome to our humble home. And invites the Gryffindors in, and Draco must just feel like a moron. <laughs> Okay, that, like that all right, not enough people laughed on that one, so perhaps I wasn't Sorry. clear with what I was going for. Oh, but, no, it was just a good money. It wasn't one of those moments that I, like, laughed hysterically. You know, it was just kind of... Yeah, it was just like a huh. Bad. I thought it was funny, because I think that Draco was liking Hermione. Oh, God. I think he's digging her. He likes I do. Her. I'm sorry. And, well, I'm not going to say anything, but... Don't. I want them to date. <laughs> I ship leather in libraries. What are you going to say? What happened to poor Meg from Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I'm not as sheltered as you may think. 
Only you do have I mean, two I sit at also. home reading Draco Hermione fix. What's your job, Meg? You can keep on talking, gal. All right, because you Fine. like it too. All right, but here's one thing: you you said, Jen, that you that or she, someone said that they didn't like the Gryffindors here. Now, I thought the Gryffindors were very layered. They seem to have three main groups. There was Hermione, who, as you know, Draco calls it, the ringleader. And you have... You know, really? Because I thought Ginny was kind of the ringleader at the no, end. It was Herm- well, it was Hermione in the front, and then you have, like, the Neville-Ginny component, and then you have all of the extras. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a ringleader power struggle <laughs> happening between Ginny and Hermione because it seemed yeah. like it's like a fanboy's dream come true it's like Ginny comes over yeah. was like no no Ginny comes what? over and grabs Hermione by the hair and they wrestle and they start kissing yeah I know it, all the, it yeah. felt like to me like Harry Hermione was the the mom and she just wasn't accepting of this new idea yet she and was Ginny was kind of like I just really liked Ginny I think Ginny made this scene good Ginny for me I think it's scene. yeah she really got a little shining star moment here Hermione I... was very much Molly Weasley in and the scene Harry is destined to make nuts. little babies with her even in this story I yeah but like, he does oh, he still has please. no clue he's so canon Harry in this and like no well, no they go well, he, they said something about the liking and she was like I don't like you not like that or <laughs> And blushed. Yeah, blushed the color of her hair. Well, I mean, I thought that was great, because here's the thing. I was picturing the, the Gryffindors would come down and demand Harry return, and they're going to escort him safely to Gryffindor, and Harry wouldn't go, and they would never come back. So I kind of had the same fears that Harry did, that they were there to expel him from Gryffindor. Oh, uh, yeah. And you really have Neville and Ginny come, and they lead the bandwagon of, we know you, we're your friends. Unlike these extras behind us, we're actually here because we have lines in the script. And... We don't know what the hell's going on with you. We don't care what the hell's going on with you. We just know that you're our friend and we're going to accept you and do the best we can to understand it. And I love the reference to the fact Neville literally blew up his desk that day and still came down to Snape's personal computers. But I don't think that's what it was. You don't think they were, I don't think they were there saying, oh, we support you no matter what. Really? I don't think that's what they were doing. I think they were down there. I think they were down there saying, look, Harry. We support you no matter what. I think it was like a Slytherin Gryffindor move. Like a wink wink. Yeah, like, don't worry. We, we really support you, Harry. But in reality, they're like, we need to make him believe that we support him. And then we'll take him away from Snape because he's obviously gone crazy. No, I think that was really like that to me. (laughs) I thought, I saw that coming from Hermione. I think Hermione thought that this was a situation where, you know, Harry would be back in a short while and that there was, you know, they just needed to get Harry away from Snape and he would realize, and they could psychologically cure him and, you know, Hermione would buy a small, you know, leather sofa that Harry could lay on and tell her about all of his problems and she would <laughs> fix him. But I, I really don't think that, that Neville would do that. I think Neville is, is simplistic and Neville is friendship and loyalty and I'll be Harry's friend forever, and Harry is worthy of my trust, and I may not understand it, but I'm going to stand by him. And I think that the rest of the Gryffindors, I think the Creevies, and I think, you know, Dean and Seamus, I think all, they, like, I think they're in it for maybe more the reasons that Meg described, but I certainly think that Ginny, and, and like, for all I know, I'm completely BSing this, because maybe this isn't what happens, but I really, I got the sense that Neville and Ginny, um, would stand by Harry through more. And if they don't in the story, I'll be disappointed in the characters, but not in the writing. I just, I really got the sense from them. And that really worked well for me. And one thing I loved about, uh, I don't mean but, to, 
Yep, Wait, no, I want to clarify yeah. really quick. I didn't mean that they don't support him. I meant that they were making a big show of supporting him. That's I mean, I think that they do support him. I just think that they have a agenda for so visibly showing that they support him. Draco making a big show of almost saying mudblood, but not. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like along the same lines. Like they're like really wanting Harry to see and I think that when people do something like that, there's some motivation <laughs> that we don't know yet. Gryffindors are known for their subtlety. <laughs> no, it's true. I, 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 I bold and noble and subtle all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a Gryffindor. And she I'm is. not subtle. <laughs> she, she is. She is a Gryffindor. Through and through. What well, can we say? Remember when, was, remember when it was Ryan and the Ravenclaws on here? I'm glad to see that Perfect Weekly is diversifying somewhat. But... Um, <laughs> don't laugh at me. I'm serious. But yeah, I mean, I thought that was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, I really liked the writing of Hermione here because this is what I was talking about earlier. Hermione as a character is someone in this story who it would be so easy to turn her into a villain or to have her walk away or to, I think, uh, Aspen said it herself, have her, you know, like move into one of her books and never be seen again. Hermione would act, and Deathly Hallows supports this, Hermione would act exactly as she is now. Just like in Deathly Hallows, all, man, cover your ears. All she did was harass Harry, you know, on some level to, you know, just, just do Aquamancy and everything will be fine. Never mind, you can't do the damn thing. Just do it, you'll be fine. She was just trying to help. How many times do I have to tell you? It was medicinal! Alright, so. <laughs> so <laughs> she didn't, she didn't know. You're right. So, I mean, like, look, so. The the thing with Hermione here is Hermione was, you know, if we're going to get into the Slytherin-Gryffindor dynamic, Hermione was being a Slytherin here. She really was trying to reach Harry on some level, and she was really trying to show that she would be there for Harry, not because she supported him like I think that Neville and Ginny did, but because she thought he was absolutely wrong. She 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 cared that she thought she was absolutely wrong, and she's going to make this, you know, she's going to go on a mission to fix Harry, like she always has. She's going to fix this, because this isn't right. She's made an opinion, she's sticking with it. And I love that Snape and Draco get that, and, and, and they have to explain that to Harry. But she says a lot of the things which, like we were saying from after the end, if these characters will sit down and talk to each other, you have a four-paragraph story. She even says to Harry, Harry, you're not explaining to us why this is happening. All you're saying is that Snape is your father and you're living in the dungeons and you're half a Slytherin and that's and you're not giving us any explanation as to why that and is. And at the same time, he doesn't owe that to them. He may not even know his reasons himself. Like, I thought it was a bit pompous of them to all expect, well, you need to explain this situation to us. Well, no, that's... We're well, involved. Well, no, but you are. I mean, here's the thing. Everyone in the story seems to react in anger and react in emotion. Okay. It's like, for example, if you have a friend who goes on vacation and they don't come back, you know, from their vacation, so you start calling their cell phone, and you find out that they joined what you believe is a cult. And for all you know, your friend had an experience over this vacation that there is, you know, there is concrete reasons why they have taken actions that they have. From your perspective, this is freaking weird, and this person isn't explaining to me what happens. You're going to draw conclusions, and you're going to act on them. Seriously, think about Harry. Everything's going fine at the beginning of the year. Hermione and Ron get together, and now all of a sudden, Harry goes away for a few weeks. He's going to have a dangerous surgery. He's close to Snape. Snape is threatening to, you know, quote-unquote, attack Hermione with the same spell that put Gilderoy Lockhart in St. Mungo's for four years. 
and Harry is away for a long time. We know he was tortured. We don't know the story why. Snape is the only one caring for him. We're being kept from Harry. We can't get to him. He's living in the dungeons with Draco Malfoy. Snape is adopting him, and every time we try and ask Harry about it, he responds emotionally, screaming that Snape is my father, Snape is my father. So, mm-hmm. there is, now, now, everyone, I think, in this story... In the trio, everyone screws up. Hermione probably the least. Hermione is closest to... I mean, they're all in character. Harry doesn't explain things. Ron reacts overly emotionally, and Hermione is less emotional and more psychological, and it's not helpful. So the so the trio are so in, slightly exaggerated character. Yeah, then. they're yeah. Well, they're all in they're all in in like a like a like a heated situation, but they're all being perfectly true to character. Harry is an exp- like I think if Harry sat down and said, "Look, Hermione," here and he sat with her for three hours and said, "This is everything that happened to me." Even if Hermione didn't believe it then, at least she would have more information. And maybe she could explain it to Ron. And maybe Ron wouldn't get it, but maybe if Hermione was convinced, maybe Ron would be convinced at least on some level. And instead yeah, of just, the yeah, snogging level. Yeah, and, and, well, yeah. But and, and, <laughs> and, and, and instead of yelling at each other, maybe they could get somewhere, but they don't do it. So, Jen, in response to that, I mean, Harry, does he owe them any explanation? No, but if they're your friends, you should try and tell them what's going on in your life, and you shouldn't just... You have to well, recognize... Yes, but sometimes you need like an, a time of adjustment, I think, and you just need your friends to back off and be like, look, let me deal with this for a little bit. I'll get back to you. And I feel like he hasn't had his period of adjustment, really, and they're all just kind of going... They're standing in front of him with their arms crossed going... You need to sit here and tell us what's going on when he hasn't had the time to figure out. But I don't agree with that because think of all the time he's had. It's now approaching Christmas and the story started in September. Yeah. He's had I don't, well, I don't think that kind of thing is like a time schedule thing. Well, well he hasn't even told him that he needs So it time. just depends on how That's long he, how long you would need. Well, I agree with that, Jen. I don't think it's fair for Harry to complain that they don't understand, they don't understand, when it's That's a matter true. of sitting them down and explaining it to them. How yeah. do you expect them to understand when, like Brian was saying, all they've seen is, you know, what they've seen. They have no idea what's going on, yeah, but they, you can't complain about it. Yeah, he didn't tell them what happened and this is the scene I always love in, this, in the in the actual novels when there's that one line where Harry explains to them everything that's been happening, and then they're up yeah. to but <laughs> it, yeah, It's like we don't that one line. Is, so he he never explained to them. Well, he couldn't. He couldn't tell them what happened with Petunia. He couldn't tell them why he was a Grimmauld place. You know, he, all they know is Harry has been tortured, lost his magic, lost his sight. He's living in the dungeons with the two people he hated the most this time last year, and now they must think he's in. A and cult. he can't stand to be touched by anyone. But Snape, which really does put a bizarre well, twist on it. Well, he's getting better. I thought that he touches Draco's knee. Well, that, that doesn't yeah, make Hermione feel any better. The fact well, that he's touching Draco's <laughs> knee does not fill Hermione yeah. with warmth. She's touch. like, yeah, he's In making a non-sexual way. I don't tell Ron. Whatever you do, no, don't she was jealous. Me. That's what that was about. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Meg, please see me after the podcast. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, so... I know, see me, baby. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh god, but yeah, I mean, I, def- I definitely think that was just a really great part of the story. I felt so much better after reading that chapter because even though Hermione is still going to be Hermione and Harry will still be Harry and Ron will still be a dumbass, at least. Okay, why can't we just say Ron will still be Ron? Because it's <laughs> I edit the damn thing and I can say whatever I want to, and you know, like I just snap, 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 snap. <laughs> That's right. 
He gets to Ryan. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So I thought, I mean, everything in these first two chapters seemed natural. You know, Snape would be firm with Harry to the fact that Harry's probably thinking, what did I get myself into? He won't let me call him in the middle of the class, even though he probably saved the life of some poor Hufflepuff. And am I the only one, by the way, at this point who thinks that Sal's is a Death Eater? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Just throwing that out there for review. Yes. Okay. I I think Sal's is really cool. Alex. Me too. I like that. I really liked. But then you find out in Deathly Hallows that it wasn't really that good to be a parcel tongue after all. I kind of agree with the whole how Snape is saying, you know, you have dark powers, but you don't have to use them in a bad way. I thought parcel tongue was an excellent example of that. You can use it to have a cool pet snake that you can talk to. But then you find out he loses it. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of lame. Draco, hell. Oh, the parcel tongue or the snake? Yeah. In, I mean, in canon, he lost it. Well, now, true. wait a minute. I want to point out something very important that I feel is, I'm not sure what it is. I, I, for those of you who've read future chapters, without spoiling it, Harry talks parcel tongue here by conjuring an image in his head about the snake that he saw at the zoo to speak parcel tongue to find cells. Yeah. Did y'all get that? Okay. Yeah. So he can do it. So I'm kind of confused a little bit in later chapters. So are you saying that you're going to remain confused after you read the whole story? Yeah. Why he can do that in these chapters. Okay. Well, you know. Like, I know we can't have this conversation (laughs) now, but I want to point this out so that we remember in future chapters, when this is an issue, why could he do it in these chapters? Yeah, Jim, we're going to forget. But you'll remind us. I will. But I I didn't know if anybody, when they were reading it, found that strange. I kind of found it, I, I noticed it, but I kind of thought that was foreshadowing for something. That's what I, I mean, thought. I it could be. I mean, it might be. I mean, I don't uh, know. Yeah, sure. This is my favorite little scene. It's where not I to be confused with every other scene. In the- <laughs> well, I know, but this one is really, this is like definitely in top three okay. moments. So we need to go on holiday <laughs> and get away or, you know, and Harry and Snape decide that they're going to go on holiday, and they go and tell Draco. And it's just tragic that when they say, how would you like to go away for holiday, he immediately, you know, he curls up in a ball, and <laughs> he says, well, Severus, I thought you understood that, you know, I don't have any family at all, and they mm. all want to kill me. And he doesn't, like, he doesn't comprehend that he is a part of the family because he sees such a, a crack between himself and Harry and, and Severus because, their family, and he's like the third wheel. And it's so sad. Think, you know what I just realized? Think of Draco really becoming Harry's almost best friend over the course of the story. Each person that is closest to Harry resents him on some level because Harry always had everything that that person wants. He was always better than Ron and everything. He always outshadowed Ron and everything. And the same is true with Draco. I just, I never really realized that before, but Harry now has everything that Draco would kill for. What did y'all think about Devin? I, mm, it reminded me of a hunting cabin. No, I didn't think of yeah. it. As, I didn't think of it as a hunting cabin. I actually thought of it as Fred Flintstone's house. I kind of, you know, what? It kind of made me think of. Um, have you all ever read The Secret Garden? Yes. Yes. That's mm-hmm. exactly hey, what I was going to say. That house that the family lives in—not the little girl, but the 
boy she falls in love with. In my mind, I picture like the same quote unquote set is like Snape's quarters, though I kind of picture the looking somewhat the same. Um, you know, big field, moors. I, I kind of picture it more of like kind of like the hills are alive with the sound of whatever. Like that was pretty much what I had. You've just managed to quote the worst Julie Anders movie ever. Mary Poppins. What the hell is that? Who said that? Gee, get off this podcast. Where's Hang Up? Hang on. I hate that song. Oh my god. You seem to claw my eyes out. Okay, anyway. I'm in shock. I am too. I cannot believe you. I'm going to cry. I feel like I'm going to cry. How did you not love that movie? Ugh. I hate that song. Right. If it had opened with any other song, I would love the movie, but I hate, hate, <laughs> hate, hate the song. Right. I don't oh know why. God. I can't explain it. It just drives me crazy. I, that's my favorite movie next to The King and I. All right. All right. Really? Yeah. Everyone jump Brian's in. Like, shut wow. up. <laughs> I have to say, Sorry. I have to say, though, the rest of the musical is fine. It's just that opening, beginning song yeah. that I don't like. Oh, I love that. Okay. <laughs> Back right. to your regular schedule. All right, Chi, what do you think on this? On, where were we? Oh, <laughs> going to Devon. Yes. I have to say that I love Draco and Harry. I like them being friends. Only in this fic, this is the one time I've ever bought it, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, because it, it makes good. sense. It makes absolute sense. It makes sense. sense. You know, they're not just like Harry Harry wakes up one morning and goes, oh my god, all my life I've been an idiot. Draco does the same thing. They kind of, they it takes work to get to this point. For It's 47 chapters of work to get to this point. I love Draco's reaction. <laughs> like, to, uh, he's like, uh, it's really nice. It's kind of, uh, cozy. <laughs> well, can you imagine like, Draco with, like, the dark sunglasses on? Like, he just, like, you know, he, like, apparated all of his clothes here, and you know, like, he, he's got, like, the the designer luggage, and he's got the little travel cloak, and he looks around, and they're spending Christmas in a hut. <laughs> yeah. Like, one I, hut. You no, know, I imagine it as this really cute, like, little cabin in the, in yeah, the like, country. Yeah, like a cabin. It doesn't matter, though, because yeah. to Draco, it's a hut. Oh, that's because he's used to like mansion upon mansion. Right, but without indoor plumbing, this hut like th- like this is not you know. Oh, the- it has indoor plumbing. Well, they're magic. They're probably just magic. They're thanks, whatever. Jen. <laughs> thanks, thanks. What yeah. a visual! That <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> well, they do have the yeah. evidence, though. So there's nothing wrong with that visual oh god so <laughs> yes yes there is <laughs> all right so yeah i mean like so so i mean i mean let me even say this the, the heart of these four chapters i divide it into two sections these chapters i divide it into the section where we discover the fact that snape can really be snape and still be true to canon and and the gryffindors can still be gryffindors and still the story can work and they can still be separated from harry but not because of you know artificial plot reasons and then the rest of the story is essentially the formation of harry's family and it has to be believable and i feel that it is the catalyst that brought draco and and harry together was same so so was it john so win so win it was so win or however delia delia whatever the hell it is okay that one event you know we find changed draco and harry so much that it really brought them together in this friendship like that i i would say that you know this is the point in the story where you find out how Snape enters that dynamic. Well, they, Draco is snooping around for Christmas presents because 
obviously, at Christmas time, we learned that he reverts to a five-year-old on hyper sugar. <laughs> what is up with that? He's just say crack. He's a small child. Like it's it's freaking hilarious. I think it's cute. I think it was adorable. I was like, oh, and who doesn't really? I do. <laughs> I believed in Santa Claus up until I was thirteen. And then I cried. What is everyone oh, thinking this about, oh, dra- about, about Santa Claus being real? Huh? Oh my gosh, I love that Santa Claus is real. Father Christmas yeah. is real. He only visits the wizards who are asleep. And like that is the like okay, they're two sixteen. I thought it was kind of hokey. Well, they're two sixteen year old. Well, here, well, here's the thing: it's, <laughs> we're dealing with people who have just apparated themselves into the middle of Warthed Woods. Like God knows what the hell is hokey or not. I mean, it could easily. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, you can make. I mean, I think it was a good op- a good opportunity, uh, writing wise, because obviously, if you can believe that people, you know, like you said, are apparating to some warded place and there's magic and there's this and there's that, you know, why not throw in Santa being real? But, the fu- but uh, the, the fun that's kind Santa- of why I thought it was hokey. I was kind of like, mm, something's just Well, the thing, about San- <laughs> the thing about Santa I loved is that he's a drunk. Yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> drunk. I must have missed it. I guess, wow, I missed Wait, it. He's a drunk, say that again? Santa's a drunk. The fact that he, he sometimes doesn't, is, did I read that right? He sometimes doesn't make it out and he has to turn around and oh, go back. Oh, yes, so that's right. He's not that's really, some... yeah, he's not reliable. You never know if he'll actually make it out of, you know, the North Pole. And I love how he's starting to think about it. Well, elves are real. And I guess flying is real. Hmm. <laughs> I just love the thought. Like they really contemplate it, and then Draco's like, "Well, we better go to bed just to be sure." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Five year olds. <laughs> back to the where the mask scene. Draco is roaming around for packages, and he finds one, and it falls open on the floor, and out spills Severus's Death Eater robes and mask, and Harry goes crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And I just love, like, the emotion of this scene absolutely pulls me. And I don't know if you found that or, Ryan, if you were listening and it was just like, you were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's happening next? Um, because I know that when I'm reading I'm at this scene, I'm all at the edge of my seat going, oh, you know, I just can't get through it fast enough. Well, you can actually imagine it being a, a film, and you can imagine the minute Harry sees it, he has flashbacks to the attack on him, and he has flashbacks to Lucius Malfoy, and he has flashbacks to the, to the pain and everything that he's been able to... Now, think about it. When that happened, he was a completely different person than he is today. He's mm-hmm. been adopted. He's become friends with Draco. He has a family. And everything comes crashing back on him the minute he sees that. And he screams and he just unleashes terrible, destructive energy in that room. And Mm -hmm. this, I think, really is what focuses the conversion of Draco and Harry from bitter rivals to, to friends. When Harry looks at Draco after he's had this awful incident and says, I, I am sorry, but I'm going to kill your father. And like, like there, there's absolute truth to that. He is going to do it and he knows what it's going to cost. And he's, and he is sorry. And he's sorry. I'm truly sorry. I'm truly sorry. I'm going to kill your dad. And Mm. how? Like it kills him. It breaks him up. Well, I, I love how Snape comes in and absolutely claps his hand. Like, it's such a revert back to Dalwyn. And you know what? She times it amazing. That's what I was so yeah. struck by, is that you are really lulled at this point. Oh, they're in Devon. It's all safe. 
they're going to celebrate Christmas. It's this whole, and you feel like Harry's really come so far since so when, and then all of a sudden he's reminded of it again. And you see, no, he is not over it, obviously. You know, not yeah. that we would expect him to be, but because he's been acting normally. Whatever can, I, that yeah, is. can I just Quote tell you something? Point. We're in chapter 47, and I somehow feel as though I'm on chapter 12. Like, so much. Like, we always say, oh, we've had 50 chapters to get used to this. It doesn't feel like it's been 50 chapters, at least to me. <laughs> no, like, it really, it, it doesn't. Is, why, did you say I would say that later on? You're laughing at me again. No, no I, I just, I just think, think that's when a- people get into this story and they go, oh, my God, it's 98 chapters. I'm like, when you get into it, it doesn't phase you. You yeah. don't realize it's 98 chapters. Yeah, but, like, seriously, think about how far Harry has come here. He was, like, like you remember when Harry was blind? It seems like a lifetime ago at this point. And, like, yeah. so, like, here's the thing. How many chapters ago were we begging Remus to be around? Harry just needed Remus. I'll get away from Snape. Just pretend it's Remus. You know, it's not Remus. It's not Remus. This awful person isn't Remus. Harry pops into Grimmauld Place on the way to Devon. It's it's the it's like the halfway point, you know, for the aberration. Does he even think of finding Remus and saying Merry Christmas? Nope. It's no. like like that's how far this character has come. And when when you think about that, it, it, it you think that Sawin has been so far away, but think of the awful thing he essentially like. How many times is Harry laughing in these chapters? He's laughing at something that Draco said. He's laughing at Scrabble. He's like, la- you know, it, he's just having fun. It's been two months since he was brutally tortured. People go lifetimes after events far less violent than what happened to Harry and their shells of, of their former selves. I mean, Harry has been through a right. lot and you immediately think, you know, how careless, you know, of Snape to leave this around, but Snape doesn't make mistakes in the story and you can't tell. It's kind of like with when Snape murders Dumbledore in the canon, you know, are you naive for thinking that Snape is still a good guy or are you accepting in the reality everyone else who doesn't think that is naive? Is your reading this chapter? Is he planned so ahead that this is obviously part of the master plan? Or did he just leave the box in there because he messed up? And we find out he actually did leave the box in there as part of a master plan. And, you know, just the, the reaction to Harry. And what does everyone think of Snape's motivation here? Like, in terms of his parenting skills. He does this because he wants to force Draco's hand. I think he's really manipulative. I yeah, just, I mean... I can't help but feel like... I don't know. I just think that I think he's trying. This is how I really feel. I think he's trying, but he doesn't really have the parent thing down, obviously. And so, yeah, I mean, if you had a with kids, you have a child from when they're, you know, just a little baby. And although they grow up and they get older and they talk back and they do things that bug you, you always will remember them as that little baby and you always love them so much. And I think that that's in this situation with Snape, it's not to his advantage that he didn't have that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like maybe it would have been good for him. Maybe. And maybe it would have been good for Draco. Maybe, but I don't think I could do that. I just think the method is not, or the means to get to that is too much. What I think is, I think of how angry Harry is at Dumbledore for using him as a means to the ends. Think of Snape here. He uses Harry and puts Harry through this awful flashback and, you know, forces his dark energy, you know, to ignite all over the room because Harry is just so emotionally distraught over what he's seen that, you know, for the purpose of forcing Draco to tell Harry something. Yeah, I just think that's... Like, he doesn't... Well, unless... 
I don't I don't know if I truly believe that his robe and mask was purposely put there. I don't know. I He's, mean, it was in a box in a closet. I does, just can't no, he see state, being... Doesn't he state that he did do it? He did it because he knew that Draco... He doesn't was, deny it. Draco... He doesn't deny... I don't think he actually comes out and says, yes, I, did, I put yeah, it there. Yeah, but not purpose. denying it is like the same thing. Maybe well, so. Well, maybe so. Uh, well, not necessarily even so, but I think that, you know, we have enough... Like the whole thing with the psychology book, did Snape leave it out for Draco so Draco would read it? Or did, you know, Draco just assume that's what Snape did and Snape's, you know, saying Draco sees conspiracies everywhere. I just fell asleep. Right. I mean, you don't know, but I do find it... No, because there was the reference to the fact that he didn't leave it in his quarters because... Harry would be there and might find it, and he didn't destroy it because the Order might need it someday. So it's implied that it stuck around for a reason. Mm, I just think that is a really um, flimsy excuse for still having it. And secondly, I think that if as anti-Death Eater as Snape was, and as many horrible things he had to see while wearing those items, I think he would not have kept them unless planning on using them for something like that. And that kind of probably sounds like Draco, like uber paranoid, but I just, I think he did it on purpose. Well, a lot of, you have to remember, a lot of people in the Harry Potter series are manipulative. Dumbledore is man- manipulative to a certain extent. Voldemort is very um, manipulative. Uh, Snape in canon is very manipulative. I mean, and in real life, people are manipulative, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We say we desire honesty in our dealings with people, but nobody is entirely honest. You know, we always we tweak the situation so that it works best to our advantage. That's just a fact of life. Yeah, but when you're talking about you know, your children, people, in yeah. that sense, right. it I mean, changes drastically. But Snape isn't used to being a father. He's going to screw up. You know, yeah. he's not used to dealing with... Harry well, on this that... level, or Draco on this level. I'm sure it was a possibility in the back of his mind. I- I'm sure he thought, oh, that would be nice if that forced the... I don't see him, wah-ha-ha-ha-ha. Well, I, no, but, I think but he adversely, did it. I can't but... see him being that careless in this story I either. I can't either. I think that he did it. I don't think he did it with malicious intent. I think he thought that Harry would easily survive the flashback. I think he thought... He would yeah, survive. it was justifiable. Yeah, he would, he would, yeah. he would, he would, like, here's the Or maybe the thing. he didn't expect that it would be that intense. Snape also held Harry down while Death Eaters plucked his eyes with needles. Yeah. I mean, Snape is not Molly Weasley, and he never will be. I mean, Molly Weasley would have, you know, given up the war effort to protect Harry in that instance. That's not Snape. Snape understands that shit happens sometimes, and you just gotta deal with it. And it sucks that this is happening to a 16-year-old boy, but you need to deal with it because this is the hand you were dealt, and you need to play it. And I think that he certainly did that. I think he did it because he wanted Samhain back in Harry's conscious mm-hmm. mind. He wanted to give Harry the truthful dream so that Harry would remember that Draco was there. Now, that was the big deal for me, finding out Draco was there. Now, it felt totally natural. And it wasn't one of those things I'm like, what? Like, there's some things in the story. Like, I talked about this last week. Uh, you know, the fact that Harry had to sleep in Snape's bed because he might be allergic to the, to the thing. I mean, that was... I, a plot device. But this feels totally natural, the fact that Draco is there. And one of the layers I really love about that is the fact that we, and we find this out later, that Draco was so afraid that Harry would instantly recognize that Draco was there because why else would I be giving you your wand back? That was the appearance of oblivious Harry in this story. <laughs> well, it was me too. That's 
definitely didn't didn't intend for Harry to find the Roman mask. You know, uh, well, I don't. I totally I think don't he think. No, he did. Because why would he want yeah. Draco to find it? What, what motive? What was the motive in finding having Draco find it? Like, well, I think, in ha- in showing the memory that the Death Eater meeting that Draco needs to tell him. I don't think he intended. Why would he intend? Why would he want to do something that would cause Harry? further pain. He knew Harry could take it and he knew that Harry finds no, it. No, but Harry didn't take it. I mean, if, if Snape hadn't come in and slapped his hands over his eyes and practically tackled him down, who knows what have, would have been, what else would have been destroyed? Well, yeah, but Snape wasn't going to let it carry on till you know, Harry the sense I got from passed scene, out or hurt himself, yeah, but sense, I do yeah. think well, no, that he, but this is no, he, what he has, I thought, is dark magic that he is not really, I mean, he he starts to show some control with the robe and, and mask, and, you know, that's the only thing mm-hmm. that gets, like, a vaticadaverit or blown up or whatever. But I totally don't think that Snape intended for Harry to see that. I think he did because you get the sense that the entire incident was Snape manipulating people to get what he needs. Like, it almost seemed very Dumbledore-ish, you know, her version of Dumbledore. Very carefully constructed. Very carefully constructed. Well, this is a question for Aspen. Like, I totally disagree. Okay, and we'll definitely get her feedback <laughs> in that. No, I mean, that was the thing. Slytherins in this story are thinking, they're, they're chess players who think 17 steps ahead, and they know instantly what you're going to do, and they know how it's going to Wait a minute. Work. Wait a minute. Let me go back to that chapter. I want right. to see something. While she's, all right, while she's Continue still, talking. Yeah, while she, keep grooving. I mean, while keep she, going. Now, Jen, what did you think when you originally found out Draco was there at Samhain? What was your reaction to that? It didn't really surprise me because I knew that there had had to be something really bad for Draco to suddenly be good. And it was kind of like hanging over there for so long that at that point when we found out, I don't think anything would have been very shocking. I you know, and... Like, I remember going, oh, man, or, you know, something, but it wasn't like this dun-dun-dun moment no, at all. You know why I loved it? Because for every, and she, tell me if you agree on this, too, because for everything that happened in the story that I caught, I missed that one. And it makes perfect sense. Draco brings the wand back. Draco says, I can't believe, you know, how much they tortured you. And it's not the fact that Draco heard about it. Because it had to be something pretty bad that would force Draco to reconsider his role in the world and on what side he was in the fight. But it's literally a situation where it, it was just such a bad attack. Draco saw it. And as a result of seeing it. He and saw it. <laughs> he saw that too. And that was the other, you know, dum dum dum. You know, based on that, he saw it and it. And I love the way it's described. Malfoy on his knees being pet by Voldemort and Harry refusing to scream, Harry refusing to lose his dignity, and it was strength and weakness, and I lo- based on all of the setup she's done for this Draco, it is totally believable that this Draco would say, I don't care what it costs, I'm fighting for Harry and and here's the, the, the question that we've been asking, and Harry was asking it too and I was asking it, how do we know if Harry shows weakness, the Draco won't turn back and go to his father, because that moment proved it that moment Draco saw weakness and Draco saw strength and think of Canon Draco, Canon Draco got the message for the book too late. He was too weak at that moment and he didn't have the strength that this Draco has. And I prefer this Draco to the canon Draco because quite frankly the canon Draco to me seems like a lost opportunity. This is like the fertile ground for really seeing character growth whereas in, mm-hmm. the, whereas in, the, in the book she didn't have enough time for Draco. Uh, Meg, did you find it? I'm, no, I'm still looking. Still looking. But 
yeah, I do agree with what you were saying though about it was getting very fired. Up and you know what? I've read stuff. that. I've read that reason for Draco not becoming a Death Eater, whatever, in other fix, and I've always found that really, really believable. And when I read it here, I did appreciate it very much because, like you were saying, it it just really falls in line with the Draco in this fic as well as I think it's certainly believable from a canon standpoint. If she had taken it that way, yeah, I'd have gone with that. Well, that's I mean, so, obviously, but well, that's so natural. And Draco has been raised from from birth to be upper class. He has been raised from birth to be superior. He is pure blood. There, the mud bloods. That is that is just the fact. So in canon, to see your father on his knees being pet by a monologuing dark lord who can't manage to kill a defenseless 16-year-old. Which side are you going to be on? The fact that the 16-year-old shows demonstrable bravery, to me, seals the deal. I mean, it's totally believable. And because that's totally believable, because the relationship is so strong at its core, everything that builds on it, to me, is solid. I will. I don't question it, I just believe it, because the, I've been now sold on that character. And I think that this is one of the, the biggest things, I, like, like, obviously, we can go on for years. I have issues with Snape sometimes and Harry, but Draco and Harry, I think, is the relationship I'm going to really look for over the next half of the story, because that's where I really feel like there's a lot of potential for a lot of growth. Well, the third story is called Brothers in Arms. I mean, that's sort of... Well, that could be nothing. That could just be... <laughs> yeah, that could yeah, be... But... Yeah, that, that could be a coincidence. That could be about Fred and George hmm. in their hands and their you know, ears this is, <laughs> this is a great study in contradictions I love even going back to the allegory of so much great symbolism in the Saw Wind chapter there's a lot of great allegory here you know Voldemort is the devil and Harry is a Christ-like figure the devil will treat you differently than a Christ-like figure would in torture Harry is noble and he takes it bravely and he's noble unto death. That'll make a impact on anybody and I think for Draco not to have been changed by that, that would have ruined the story. I think that Draco, the metamorphosis of Draco makes this fic. It and if does. you make it all the way to the end of this fic, not really appreciating how well-crafted Draco as a character is, then just don't read. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just stop reading all. Well, well, there's two levels there. It's, it's like what I've been saying. It's the versatility of the Draco character. You could that, okay. That's the turning point for Draco. He sees his father being pet by Voldemort, and he sees Harry screaming with the needles, you know, poked into him. Now that's the turning point for the character. And there, and one of the reasons I think this is such a diverse fandom is that there are so many different types of fics you can read, and there are so many different ways you can take these characters. And really, I, people well, read because Joe writes really flat characters. Also, the only one in the story that has any depth at all. Is Harry, and I'll be honest about that. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of paint what? whatever you want to on other characters until you know, until the seventh book, and then you find out more about Dumbledore and Snape. But as a character book, Harry Potter is not all that interesting. I agree. Well, yeah. I disagree, just for the record. Well, again, <laughs> no, I mean, we I can, can... you can color like it's it's interesting character wise because we color them in our minds, but as a book, the characters kind of bland. Again, I disagree. <laughs> okay. No. I disagree about everything as far as that goes. I'm such a, I'm like a Harry Potter purist. What can I say? The books have <laughs> so much potential. And a lot of the potential, because it is, you know, a seven-part series and now the 27-part series is untapped. And I think this this really shows the potential of the Draco character. And, okay, at that moment, Draco could decide that Harry is a fool for fighting power and he, you know, the fact that he's not screaming. He could be like the boar, you know, resistance is futile and he could do whatever he needs to to survive because Lucius will be rewarded for, you know, it's, it's a small price to pay in the short term for, you know, long-term 
power. I mean, he could have taken that tact. He could have been a coward and run away and left Harry there. Read five different fics, starting with Samhain, and it could have gone in five different directions. I think this direction is the best direction because it's the most interesting. Mm-hmm. It is, really. And I did find what I was looking for. It's when they get to Devon mm-hmm. and Snape tells them that they're going to share a room, mm-hmm. and Harry says, no, that's not fair, and blah, blah, blah. And then he, Snape's like, do it, and he says, thank you, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, and then here's what Snape says. Just go settle in, Snape advised. Feel free to move anything that's in your way. Make yourselves at home. Actually, Harry, you are at home. I'm sorry, but that just seems too like Snape was like, yeah, go ahead, poke around, look around. And he says it to Harry. Well, the reference to was that he knew that Draco is the time it's late in here. Draco always sneaks to this Christmas presents early. He knew Draco would do it. And he knew that, Dr- that Harry would be in there. There's no reason for him to want Draco to see it. There's plenty of reason for him to want Harry to see it. So yeah. we'll, we'll ask Aspen too, but I really, I really am of that belief. Okay. So moving on, let's talk about what the aftermath of this is as the world yeah. comes crashing down. Harry and-, and Draco in the meadow and they're wearing yes. clothes. God, Ryan. I know. Amazingly it's, enough. <laughs> you can see this fic heading down a path. We have reason to be scared of it It being, if you read the summary and then you get a couple chapters into it and you don't know for sure if Aspen didn't come right out and say there's no romance in it, you could almost go, oh God, this is going to turn into a Harry Draco fic. I a oh, Jen, you can't talk. You read the most beautiful fic ever and then all of a sudden in chapter three, Harry and Draco are boinking each other all over the place. I knew that it was like, I knew that it was a slash. I just didn't know it was going to be like corn. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I can't stand is it starts off good. The idea is good. And it's not like I'm even opposed to reading some slash. It's just, it it, it seems like 90% of the time it always ends up to be no story and a lot of, a lot of just smut. Yeah. (laughs) No. At some point, we need to have a smut discussion, but today is not that day. I'll leave the recorder on. Have fun, kids. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Well, I think. No, well, I think it'll happen when we start to get into the deeper fan fiction. We're going to end up coming across a uh, more adult-rated fan fiction. We are yeah, exclusive. We yeah. The Draco Hermione fic. Shoebox is nice. Oh, yeah, Shoebox is nice. Shoebox? Yeah, we talked about Oh, shoebox. speaking of Shoebox, I wanted to say, I was talking to Melinda earlier. Um, I wasn't IME or anything, yeah. but um, <laughs> and she just wanted to say hi and that she's reading Shoebox and she loves it. Oh, I'm so amazing. glad. I knew she would. That's I think amazing. everybody's going to love it. Okay. Okay, moving so on from Shoebox. Okay. Yeah, well, I think the conversation here between Draco and Harry is... A, some of the best dialogue writing in the book, in the this fic. It's not a book, it's a fic. And two, it's just, I mean, <laughs> the setting I'm sorry, you, re- you remind me of the older brother on Home Alone. You're like, A, 2, <laughs> D. Oh, God, did I say A? Yes. Did I say 2? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I feel so much better now. <laughs> I need to bear it myself. Okay. What was I saying? God damn it, Ryan. I mean, a, sorry. 2, D. <laughs> The best <laughs> writing in the book. A, it's some of the right, best dialogue in the book. B, it's not a book. Christ. Okay. Don't do it again. What is this? Okay. A, it's not <laughs> hey. some of the best writing in the in the in the fic. And B, not to B, <laughs> um, you know, I just I love the idea of Harry being grown up enough to not have this entirely 
tilts his perspective of Draco. I think perhaps in Order of the Phoenix, if this had happened, he would have reacted entirely differently. It would have destroyed the relationship that they were building. Aspen has taken him to another place, another, a different avenue for Harry, um, a much more mature way of interpreting the character. Mm. And I, I really like it. I like how, I think that I know some 20 year olds. I know some people who are my age that wouldn't be able to handle the situation with the level of maturity that Harry does. And, um, he's very mature in some ways. In some ways he's very mature. Yes. In, in some ways, He's five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that I think five year old. <laughs> yeah, Aspen kind of does a, a steady in, in extremes with Harry. Which some levels scary. he's as mature as your average thirty year old, and then in some ways he's not. He's very young. That well, here's the thing too. Like I laughed on the inside when you said the Order of the Phoenix. If this was Harry five chapters ago, I think he, it would have ended the friendship. But yeah, I think I think yeah. the, the difference at this point is, and in, in, it's like what we were talking about earlier. If you have a situation where characters talk to each other, I think you can resolve a lot of problems. I think if the trio all sat down and talked in this, and you know Ron was sedated a little bit, or if they gave Ron some Benadryl, you know, or something. Or you could do it like JKR. He went upstairs and told Hermione and Ron what had happened. And when yeah. it was over, Ron was trying to pull his hand out of the wall. But, but yeah. in canon, in canon, that is the only way that they can even somewhat <laughs> get along. <laughs> No, but what yeah. I'm saying, no, I'm not even defending. I'm just saying. I love you, Meg. Can I just tell you? D- I love Meg. Ron. Meg, I'm were sorry. you the one that sent me Deathly Hallows in 8.7 minutes with the person who summed it up like every page? They gave a one liner. And it's like. No, Jen sent that, that to me. Jen, Jen sent it. That was and it, so funny. And it, like, just for everyone who Thank knows you. this, it's like, you know, it's like every, like in one scene, you know, Ron is a coward. And the author is like, Ron Weasley, chicken shit. In the next scene, he, <laughs> he, in the next scene, he like lies to someone. It's like Ron Weasley, chicken shit, pathological liar. And it keeps getting longer every time. And I love the one where it's, where he basically gives Harry the book on women and how you can use magic to make women do whatever you want. And they're like, uh-huh. and she's like, Ron Weasley, date rapist. And I'm censoring Meg while I'm reading it because by the end of it, I swear to God, there was like seven different adjectives. Yeah, it was like, like and none of them. Of I just don't understand where all this negativity towards Ron comes to. I, I mean, but the same people love Snape. I don't get it. I just, I, you know what? I, don't I have get the it. same problem. I have the same problem with Dumbledore haters. I like Ron and I like Hermione and I like Dumbledore, and I don't understand why people don't. <laughs> all right, let me take a, let me take a shot. Let me take a shot get at it. it because I may be wrong here, but at least let me take a shot at it. I think that Snape, when he's well written, is fun to read. I think that Hermione and Ron, while good, decent, loyal friends can be annoying to read because sometimes they come across as overly simplistic. And Ron comes across as the bonehead and Hermione comes across as the snob. See, and I just think if you, if after reading Deathly Hallows, you still think that Ron and Hermione are overly simplistic, then we did not read the same series. Because well, at times, I mean, at times, I mean, it's the angst thing. It's it's okay. You're going to read a hundred chapter story, okay? And say it's one of those stories where in chapter five Harry finds himself in an alternate universe where Hermione never came to Hogwarts, and you know everything is different, and, and Voldemort stayed in power, and his parents never died, and he has to go on this quest to change the timeline. And it's angsty because he's separated from Ginny, and you know maybe some characters aren't there to back him up. So you, that's an angsty story. Or say you go through the story where. 
something happens to Ginny. And Harry, you know, you just feel through, you know, Harry and Ginny broke up years ago and it takes 50 chapters for them to get back together and you feel the angst in that story. Oh, Kevin Beckos, that's a great story. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was thinking of, <laughs> no, I was thinking of, oh, what was I, I was thinking of, um, that is a good story. Was I thinking of Seeking Jenny? I think it was thinking of Seeking Jenny. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, or 13 chapters, whatever. But, you know, yeah. like, I'm thinking, th- there's there's types of stories you read. Sometimes when you read Ron, he's the character that you just want to kill. He's like the annoying guy in the sitcom that you can't wait until someone punches him in the face for beating up the little kid. It's, I wanted to punch him in Deathly Hallows. Well, Jen, you want to punch the mailman, I and mean, we can't really go by that. I know. And you know what? When people say that about Ron in Deathly Hallows... I don't disagree. This is what I. This is why I think people misunderstand me with Ron. I love Ron, but I was like swearing at him when I read Half Blood Prince, and when I read Deathly Hallows, I was swearing at him again because he's better but, than that. He's better because than that. exactly, and that's. But I think that showing that he made those mistakes and then came back from them. I think that really says a lot about his character, right. and that's why I defend him so much. Yeah. Not because, I mean, yeah. I don't think somebody that's always good never makes mistakes, blah, blah, blah. That's just as boring as Voldemort, who is always mm-hmm. bad and doesn't love anybody. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to read about someone like yeah, that. He, I want to read about someone that's a little annoying. Yeah, and Ron comes back and does the right thing, and Snape only does the right thing because well, Lily felt, was involved. I think I felt that, like, it was just repetitious and old and boring because he'd done it in book four. Well, that was a little different. And in book four, he had a, that was different. You know, no, in book, it's all no. about loyalty. It's well, the I same think in thing. book four, it wasn't as resolved as it was in Deathly Hallows, and that's why she brought it back again. Well, Jen, microcosm. Like, it's, oh, we're it's, friends again. It's microcosm, Myth. macrocosm. It's the time you had yeah. the fight when you were fourteen about the girl, and you never quite trusted each other. So then, five years later, when you go on, you know, the huge life or death struggle, and you seriously, you, you make the same error in judgment, but the, the random are huge, you can look back and be like, you know, the thing that happened when we were 14 was foreshadowing. But the difference is is that whereas in Goblet of Fire, it's really shown to Ron. People have to, like, beat Ron over the head and show him, look, Harry was right, here's the proof. And that's what brings him back. In Deathly Hallows, he does it because he realizes himself that he was wrong, and he comes back. The one thing, and we'll get back to the fact, one thing I will say is that given the fact that Snape only was brave in Deathly Hallows because Lily was involved, and like we said, he would have been a Death Eater if mm-hmm. Neville Longbottom were the chosen one. Because of the fact that Snape only did the right thing for personal gain, we'll call it, for, for you know avenging the woman he loved... I can't understand people who find Snape brave, but still dislike Ron there. Because that it seems like you should have right. to recognize. But, and we'll just- and, I mean, they go and they say, and I just have to say that they say, Harry said, Snape is the bravest man he ever knew. Okay, I agree with that. Fine, Harry believed that. Great. But it goes without saying that Harry felt that way about Ron as well, yeah. that he was also brave. He doesn't have to say yeah. it for us to know it. Right. So, right. there. All right. I said my piece. <laughs> Getting back in the story. Okay. So we have Draco and we have Harry out on the meadow and they're not rolling around naked. Right. Right. Uh, phew. <laughs> uh, thank God. It's such a sweet scene and Draco is crying it's and it's sweet. not sexual. Ryan ruined yeah. it for me. <laughs> I love you know, Draco in this scene. You no, know, but I love the fact that Harry was, and this is what we were talking about, I think like an hour ago when we started this conversation. Harry was extraordinarily restrained here and he had the opportunity to end the friendship and Draco knew he had the opportunity to end the friendship. And it's really the first chance we get to see that the way things have changed really have meant something to Draco. And he didn't 
want to expose it at any point before now, not because he was really afraid of what would happen to him. I really get the sense that he just didn't want to be the cause for Harry turning his back on him permanently and to, to lose everything he had there. Yeah. Do y'all also think that maybe it wasn't as big a shock to Harry because subconsciously he already knew this? I think subconsciously I already knew this. I mean, I don't think it made a difference. I mean, let me put it this way. At maybe, this point. I, well, let me even say this. I didn't know, and one of the reasons I thought it was such a great reveal was that I should have seen it coming based on the evidence and all the, you know, right. the, the story that Draco gives as to why he was shocked that Harry didn't see it. I mean, that all makes perfect sense to me. So I really, I really believed everything seemed completely true. But the thing is, is that, okay, so Draco says, I heard, like, I'm under the impression that Draco heard about Harry being tortured. And as a result, he sneaks into dad's study, steals Harry's wand, which he inexplicably still has, you know, at Malfoy Manor, sneaks off to Hogwarts, gives it to Dumbledore, and says, I'm leaving my father, give me truth serum. And as a result of that, Snape is unabashedly in Draco's corner based on the fact that Draco took the truth serum and, you know, gives Harry the wand back. And you really never get the sense that, you know, hearing about this awful thing, you know, really would push Draco in that direction. Because here's the thing, and this is the thing that really blew my mind. The reason I gave in this podcast, like two, three episodes ago, was that Draco could not stand the fact that Lucius would be on his knees being petted like a dog. And, you know, that was what turned sides. Why didn't I realize the fact that Draco would have had to be there to see it? Because I think that's just another applause to Aspen's writing. Yeah. She lays it out, but she doesn't tell you. And so... I didn't even get that, though. I don't know what I... Maybe, <laughs> like, what is it? Like, Voldemort visits Malfoy Manor once a week and pets Lucius on the head and leaves? Like, what was I expect? Like, I don't know why I didn't put two and two together there. So, Aspen, if you're listening to this, you know, <laughs> good one. But, you know, like that, like, I should have seen it. And I, and, and I didn't see it. So, I feel, so I feel like kind of Harry does at this point. But it doesn't matter because what is the difference between Draco seeing it and as a result of seeing it, it's that much more real. And the fact that he ran off there with the wand to, you know, Dumbledore's doorstep means more and makes, you know, the transformation that much more real than if he just heard about it the week before, you know? So I think the fact that when Harry hears about it, he's like, oh, that's why you left Voldemort. Okay, now I believe you. Now I trust you. Because before, it just didn't make enough sense for him to trust and his blinders were up and he really was having difficulty with the friendship. So I don't think he knew, but I think the minute he knew, he didn't care. That's a good... I like that. Go. Did I put everyone to sleep? No. No, <laughs> no we're, just, really... we're letting it sink in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was really... I really liked how when Harry finds out, like, he tries to just be all evasive and, like, doesn't tell Snape that he knows, even though mm. he's suspicious that he knows. I thought that was <laughs> great, because that's, like... I still believe, Jen, that he was using Harry there like Dumbledore did to it. Like, you know, low-key, like, small-D Dumbledore. Like I don't think Snape had any intention of Harry seeing it. Okay, I think I, that's cruel, and I, and plus Harry is still. I mean, Snape is going out of his way to make sure that Harry is adjusting and he's not dealing with all this. Crap. I mean, that is like a slap in the face, and I just can't picture him being that cruel. Why would he give Harry the truthful dream? I think one because Harry needed to make peace with what happened, and two, Harry needed for them for the family unit to to go on and continue. Harry needed to know. Draco needed Harry to know because I think I think that Snape did this to Harry for Draco. I think not everything is about Harry, but I don't think the rubbing mask being laid out 
was on purpose. That I'll be very curious to see what Aspen has to say but on hang that. On. But hang on, you just said that Snape did this. The truthful dream. I think okay. that he needs. I think that Draco is killing himself with guilt about being there, and I think that Draco's not being able to fully be himself because he is feeling like he has to make sure that Harry thinks good of him. And I think that Snape knows that Harry is of forgiving nature and that he's ready to accept that Draco is there. I think in this instance, he's doing this to Harry for Draco. I think there's too much evidence in the story itself to deny the fact that it was an innocent coincidence that Draco happened across the robe. I think that you know, and there's a line in there, and people listening to this are smacking us, you know, on, on the side of the computer for not putting two and two together. There, there was a line in there, I'm sure of it, that referenced the fact that, you know, you know, I'm not even going to find it right now while we're doing this. But one thing I do want to say, too, it's just, it's interesting. I'm just going to throw it out there, not really for comment, but just, just to say, Meg, we're going to get into, um, Babylon 5 next week. I'm, I'm convincing Meg to watch it. There's. Oh, God. There's. I have it. Yeah, she I has it. I drink Phil. <laughs> there's what? A, Nothing. I'll explain that. Wait, yeah. Ryan. What? What are you trying to find? There was. There's a line in there where it essentially gives away the fact that. You know, let me find it, then I'll save my thing. Okay, I just tell you, I love the fact that that Lucius's nickname for Draco is Dragon. I love that. I love that. Mm, I could have done without that. I just think it's much more personal, like. They, you know, Jen, okay, half of those things I say, I'm trying to get a reaction out of you. <laughs> here it is. How could Snape know you'd open that box, though? It's pretty far fetched. I mean, I might have opened it. Oh, please, I bet you never opened a Christmas present early in your life. Well, no, Harry admitted, but that might be because I haven't gotten very many. Hmm. And then you rate Severus knows I have a bad habit of it, so he knew that, Dr- that Draco would open the box. Uh, mm. If you hadn't been, mm. I wouldn't have seen the clothes. I mean, it is ambiguous here. You know, it- I, I think what it is is because I've thought about this before, before this conversation, and and I and I searched and I searched and I concluded that it wasn't planned. You know, that was his place where he went and. Yeah, I, I'm not going to waste time looking for it. Um, Aspen, let us know. Um, but there is actually just to throw this out real fast in Babylon Five, Meg. There's a there's two characters, and you find out deep into the story that one of them has a secret they're keeping from the other, and someone once asked the the writer will the second person ever find out the first person's secret and he said no what good would it possibly do other than ruin everything they built together so if you have a dark secret from your past and telling the other person that you you know did something awful to them years ago like does that serve any purpose maybe for some level of redemption but if it was like if you find out that someone you know had mm-hmm. been the, been the person who made a terrible mistake 20 years ago and somebody died and maybe there was someone close to you i mean what i'm getting at here is if there's if someone made a mistake how does admitting years later that you were responsible for that mistake help anybody it, it can only Except cause yourself. yeah i mean that's the level <laughs> i mean i think what you see here is that draco needs this because draco thinks that the only reason harry is still around is because harry doesn't know and harry feels like the only reason draco's here is because draco's hiding something and he doesn't know what and he doesn't know it's something so innocuous and i do just want to say on um, you know ooh, inoculus oh see that and above all it's of that true. i do love the fact that there's another secret and now we have the secret that Draco, you know, was there in the night that Harry had his eyes plucked out. So you're thinking, what could the other secret be? Are you secretly in love with me? But no, it's that Probably. I saw I saw you naked. And all <laughs> I can picture is, so did every other guy in the Quidditch locker room. Who the F cares? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I, I care. I think that's a totally typical reaction for someone his age yeah. to be embarrassed about it. Absolutely. And especially when he was so vulnerable like that, you know, and he's like, sorry, I saw you naked. That makes a relationship weird now. There's a difference sweaty and sexy after a Quidditch match. And plus it's expected and everybody's sort of on a level playing field at that point. Yeah. You know, pardon the yeah. pun. But I mean, you're all sort <laughs> of, well, you know, not everybody's on a level playing <laughs> I'm just not, I was going to go somewhere I mean, with that. I know where you're going. <laughs> oh, it's back to the smut lockdown. I feel like I'm in smut land and I can't find an exit. No, no, but seriously, when you're in a locker room, I mean, everybody is, you know, exposed in or one way or another. So yeah. it's sort of like you all kind of, you know, don't look and respect everybody's privacy and blah, blah, blah. You know, in that situation, he was purposely made naked to make him feel even more vulnerable. And so I'm sh- I think it makes perfect sense that Draco would, you know, feel badly about that. That was I, that was actually the one thing that I didn't buy into. I didn't think that Draco would, at that point would care. I think, like, Harry's response was perfectly normal, and I actually would have expected the same from Draco. Who the hell cares? With everything else I had going on at that moment, I didn't think... It was that. sort of comic relief, too. It really, well, yeah, I'm, sure. really. I'm not sure Draco minded, but I think that Draco thought Harry might mind. It's a boy... I guess I assumed it was a boy thing. Well, under ordinary circumstances, I think yes, but I think the he fact would, that, you I know, do. the fact that he was poked with 5,000 needles about to be sacrificed <laughs> in the altar of death might have been more, you know, like, <laughs> like Harry would have been like, I don't know. Which worry. I think he says as much, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Something it's like, like, um... And I really... But what I really loved here was I really feel as though this is really the birth of the Draco-Harry friendship, which I really buy into, and I think it's great, and I think it's a very powerful... Um, part of the story, and I think it balances well with with Snape and with Harry. And I th- I need this for the story. I think if it was just Snape and Harry, I would have a lot of difficulty with the story itself. But I think that the fact that Draco is part of that dynamic balances it very well. Yeah, I mean, I love the the, the part where you know Snape gets more involved in the story, and I like that Harry is angry at him. I like the fact that Harry dangles him over the fire and. He ends up getting Draco in trouble by saying that he he ran that night and came to Dumbledore's side because he hated snakes and Nagini scared them and Snape thought that Draco was lying about the whole thing. I mean, I really I, I I like that. That was great. I thought it was you know good characterization on all their parts and it leads to the scene that that Snape anticipated that Snape sorry that Jen um expected me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I called her Snape, and then Meg sneezed. That was weird. No, I sneezed. Me? I don't have my little thing in front of me. I can't see it. All right. And it leads to the scene that Jen predicted I would hate, the Christmas scene. Jen? Oh, the Christmas scene. I love the traditions that they give. My favorite has to be the candle. It's so sad, and, like, it's so innocent and childlike, and... I don't know, when I read this, like, I really got the Christmas spirit. And it wasn't, you know, a huge, huge Christmas. It was just, like, it's very similar to what we do for Christmas. Like, we have all our little traditions that we do. And we sit down for mm-hmm. presents, you know, that kind of thing. And we have dinner. And actually, we don't have, we have, like, Mom makes brunch waffles for Christmas. Yeah. And, like. We go to midnight mass and then open pres- presents after midnight. And, you know. Yeah, we go to church in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. The one present. One present. Who gets one present? You know, like one present on Christmas Eve and then... Oh, you do? My parents never allowed us to do that. Probably because we didn't have enough presents to open on Christmas morning. But we always did stuff. We had we went out. Our family has this big tradition of going and looking at all the tree lights. The street where I live 
Clark Griswold lives behind me. I'll put it to you that way. So there's traffic backed up for 17 miles around my house because everybody and their mother comes to look at the damn house. And I hate the guy. Like, the guy has caused such a ruckus in the neighborhood, and the guy is the biggest ass in the world. I literally want to light his house on fire every Christmas, and it really pulls me out of the Christmas spirit. I'm sorry. Um, oh well, thank you for hey, Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, sorry to throw a big what He's towel okay, on your Scrooge. desk. Yeah, okay, right. Scrooge. Let's get back to everybody else. Humbug. Bah humbug. One and L. Okay, but back to the back to their Christmas. Like, I love that they get Harry to sing. Yeah, off like, key. I'm like he doesn't. <laughs> and Rico's like that doesn't make any sense at all. Even if you think of the words, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I, the hey, one... we should have a singing moment. You should sing the song that he sings. Gee. Tessa, what are the words that he messes up? Okay, where is it? Chapter 50. Chapter 50. Okay. All right. You guys put me on the spot. You challenged me. All I can picture, the one line I wish Aspen added in here was right before Harry started to sing, I wish he looked at Snape and said, Molly Weasley never made me do this. <laughs> I like it. I have to say that microphone was worth every penny because you would have sounded like the peanut parents like <laughs> on your old one that Christmas, was Christmas Christmas time <laughs> oh god oh Ashlyn's gonna love that okay good yeah. job good job <laughs> yeah but like I love I, that I totally was um flat on uh um oh quick from, from, from angels yeah there you go okay <laughs> done I'm done well I like Just like this tree like they, they, that they did the tree in Slytherin colors and Harry's like oh like Gryffindor colors and so they gave him Griffin, like Snape trains just the little berries to red I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> so not <laughs> what Snape would actually do but funny <laughs> oh I love it he's He's turning into Daddy. I love it. Well, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he even said, you know, like, okay, we're going to make your half Slytherin the tree and, like, leave all everything yeah. here. <laughs> no, that would have been a little much. I mean, they do have some class, these purebloods. Um, <laughs> it's not tacky. Well, it's, okay, what else do they do before that? Is that all? The, oh, they drink the little... I wonder if, how many of these are actual, like, British customs or... I don't know. Or if she's invented all of them. I know. In Order of the Phoenix, the movie, they had a British custom when they were all wearing those little paper crowns. Yeah, the um, the crackers. Mm-hmm. The Christmas crackers. Yeah, I thought that was so yeah. cute. Yeah. We do that, too. Yeah, Dan- Danielle, actually, a few years ago on Christmas, she made me... Um, she went through all of the Harry Potter books 
and figured out all of the Christmas gifts Harry got over the six books that were out at the time. And she made me like a trunk from Molly Weasley. And she gave me like a red sweater and she gave me the Christmas crackers and she baked me, you know, like the, like everything that Hagrid baked Harry and Molly baked Harry. And she actually reenacted all the Christmases for me. So I got some Christmas You crackers. have a keeper there, Ryan. Wow. Uh, I'm just telling you. I That's... can't believe we have to wait until 2009 for your Harry Potter cake. Why is everyone obsessed with the damn cake office? So they go to bed. So Snape convinces them that Santa is real and Draco hurries them to bed. <laughs> Draco becomes yeah. literally a five year old in these chapters. He's the little drummer boy with the candle at the window. And- okay. Did anybody read that wake up scene very carefully? Because I have to say, Draco jumps on Harry's bed, Harry kicks him off. And then Draco uses magic and, like, disappears his bed and slams Harry against the wall. Yeah, like, he makes the the bed disappear and Harry just, like, is laying, like, a few feet off the ground, just falls to the ground on the stone floor. That's not a good wake-up on Christmas morning. (laughs) Harry gets a concussion. (laughs) But it seemed like such a boy-brother thing to do. Yeah. My brother does that to me on Christmas. Well, doesn't he seem like the kid, like, <laughs> not, Ralphie's... Not makes my bed disappear, but... He seems like Ralphie's younger brother from A Christmas Story. Like, Ralphie, yeah. wake up! I can't put my <laughs> arms down! Like, he's just looking like Draco. Yeah. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> Death Eater in training? But, like, yeah, I, I, I thought that was great. <laughs> what, okay, now what does everyone think of the gifts? Now, because, now... Jen. Oh, Jen. I'm making all sounds. We know. This is the podcast of the aww. Aww. We love this captain. Now, Draco made Harry a very tacky shirt. Oh, I just I wanted to be a t- I just wanted to make oh. her do it. I just wanted to make her do it. it yeah. well, it's like Inspector Gadget's shirt. Like, press a button and it changes colors. I'm sorry. What's the thing they say about gay men? If you if you marry someone or you date someone your own size, you double the size of your wardrobe. It's like press a button and all of a sudden you have a green one. Like it's it's like a very economic cost saver. I like it. I love that gift. I love that they only do like one present per person. Like I we do like as many as we can afford. Yeah, well, that makes it easier for the plot if like you had to open like oh, okay. all of you know the presents. But yeah, I like the fact that Draco finds a way for Harry to be in both houses and still be stylish at the same time. I thought that was. Yeah. I love the fact that, that Harry gets a box from Snape, and Harry looks at it and says, "It's wonderful, it's perfect." Is it the Wizarding custom? And Draco starts laughing. He's like, "I thought it was a Muggle custom." And Snape's like, "It's a box." To put your snake in, like it's like, <laughs> like it's like getting yeah, a tooth. It's like getting a toothbrush. You brush your teeth with it, and Harry's like, "Thank I, you." I, <laughs> I could definitely yeah. use something like that. I was like, "It's a box." <laughs> <laughs> and Draco was like, "I thought it was some kind of little thing." Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's like after like after everything I do with Ward Cleaver Snape and all this, you know, like the the the, the beautiful you know moments of of everything happening here, and it's essentially it's. It's a box. Put your snake in it. This is a lame present. And I really <laughs> sorry. Snape bought that. <laughs> Just say it. Snape forgot. Snape, it. Snape forgot to get him something, so he was like, "Um, oh, here." That was, that was a very thoughtful gift. Jen- for his snake. Jen- the box to be the temperature of the flu. He that's threw it. that in the last minute well, because he had to explain the flu. Oh, that's not Couldn't true. Couldn't Snape just been thought. like, and here's a present for Sal's, your snake, and got Harry like a good present for Harry? <laughs> well, 
Well, Carrie Hayes, if you're going to say that. No, can I just tell you something? Jen, we're obviously messing with you. That's true. But I have a huge family on my mother's (laughs) side, and every year they would get together at my aunt's house. This is the aunt who used to drive her car into place. I love that he says aunt. Aunt. So my at my aunt's house, like aunt. my aunt, my aunt has my aunt has eight kids, and they're all married, and they all have grandkids. Chi, are you here, by the way? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't know if you were looking for the mic. Okay. So you know, every, her mic is so good, we can't tell. So um, you know, everyone comes over, and there was this family friend who he, he nice guy, very annoying, and he always would po- he randomly popped up one year at family Christmas, and no one got him anything, and he brought gifts for like all twenty seven members of the family. So they wow. ran out, and the only place that was open was Walgreens. And the only thing they could buy him, because the store was closing, was an economy-sized tube of toothpaste and, like, toothbrushes. And they went back. So literally, like, they had to give the guy toothbrushes and make up a funny story for why that was the gift they gave him. And the guy ended up loving it, because he thought it was this gift that, you know, lots of time and effort was put into. And as it turns out, it's a freaking tube of toothpaste with, you know, like, but that's like, like the saddest story I've ever heard. I know that's like it really is sad. But they learned the true meaning of Christmas, and they were all no. thrilled. No. Everybody made fun of him without him even knowing. No, they went out to get him something good, but all they could get was toothpaste. I'm sure know this. I feel well, bad for the guy. I do too. That's really I wouldn't get present for any of y'all ever again. <laughs> But the saddest part is he doesn't know. He didn't know. He thought it was like this really sweet, thoughtful thing. Maybe he's one of our listeners, and I finally just brought this family closer to truth. That'd be terrible if he was. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, if he is a listener, I just I apologize for the whole thing. I had nothing to do with it. Poor guy. That's how you know Meg's, sticking, that's how you know Meg's sticking around. She's already apologizing. About I don't know what story. I mean, that would have had to be a damn good story. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the toothpaste. I'll find yeah, out. Yeah, because I don't know what could be funny about giving someone toothpaste. It sort of seems insulting to me. And we, him liking like giving it. someone deodorant or something. Yeah. We love your. Like we love one year my grandmother gave me shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, so they should have given Snape. <laughs> no, no, no. One year from all of my aunts, and I have like seven that gave me presents every year. They all got me like those scented. Which now I'd be like, yeah, I love this. But they gave me like those those scented lotion basket yeah. things that help, and I cried because everyone gave me soap for Christmas, and like there was nothing to play with or do. And I was like, just at that awkward <laughs> age where I wasn't quite an adult, but I wasn't. I was too old for Barbies. Yeah, yeah, that was a terrible, that horrible, horrible age. Yeah, you know what? Yes, Christmas, for that's the saddest story I've ever heard. It's like, I know. <laughs> it's like getting a jock strap for Christmas. It's like, thanks. Love you. I, I hate Christmas with my grandparents. Like, I love them both sets of grandparents to death. They have no concept of me at all. I love them, and they're really nice people, and... Oh, but every year, without fail, they make me cry. Can I just tell you more? Really? Because I will, I will tell them what I want. Okay, I'm very specific about I want. I want this movie. It has this people in it. You can find it in this aisle in the store. No, they're they're gonna get full screen and not widescreen. Here's the thing. They always always give me something different, like completely unrelated. Danielle's grandfather. Um, there was this discount clothing store in the town where Danielle lives, and he took his daughter who's danielle's mother to to pick up the christmas gift for danielle 
and and Danielle's mom insisted on going because everything you buy there is is non-refundable. So she wanted to make sure he found something that Danielle would actually wear. And at one point, she's looking through some of the racks, and he and she hears her dad say, "Hey, what about this?" And turns around, and he's holding on a rack a tweed suit like the jacket with the skirt like the tweed suit oh that molly weasley would not touch with a 10-foot pole <laughs> so i and that was to be her christmas gift and i kind of wish she had that because i could always tell her that, just wear the tweed suit that turns me on i don't know but um <laughs> oh dye your hair red <laughs> All right, all right. This is taking a turn for the worst. Moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on. Okay, um, foreshadowing. Draco gives Snape some type of ointment for Christmas, and Snape is very touched. Yes. And I am thinking Snape is a vampire, but I know he can't be a vampire because we had the vampire joke already with Dudley. He's not a vampire. Well, thanks for giving him the wipe. So, this is so... Yeah, I really knew immediately it. what that was for. You did? You did? Because yeah. I, I didn't. I was like, well, I'm assuming it's for. Well, I'm assuming. Okay, here's my guess. Don't tell me if it's wrong. I actually think it is for the Dark Mark because the Dark Mark is painting uh, Snape more than we ever know, and Draco is aware of it, so he is trying to calm Snape. That is my guess. Don't tell me. But, um, so we have that, and does everyone stop laughing at me. I could be wrong. And, um, what else do we have? I want to throw up. Can I just throw up right now, please? Any particular reason? No, I can't tell you, but anyway, I want to throw up on you. Okay. No. <laughs> that's more visually gross than I meant That's... What the hell was that? That's like, like, I want to vomit all over you. Love you, Egg, please continue. What the hell was that? <laughs> You'll laugh in a few more chapters. No. Ointment. Like, what else could he need? The only thing that we know that Snape has going on is that he's suffering... You know, from he Voldemort. Could need to exfoliate. Or he I'm has not. skin cancer. I don't know. Like, whatever. I'm like, Did he mention it a few times or something? <laughs> it's for his hemorrhoids. All right. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Meh. All right. So, moving to... His hemorrhoids. That is more visually gross. Everyone, hang on. <laughs> everyone, hang on I to the car. We're, we're moving like, it. Oh, my God, Jen. Okay, Can we're we going. Can we talk about penises again? Oh, no. God. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. Okay. I have lost control of my podcast. podcast. I need immediate assistance. After the podcast, I have to talk to the girls. I have a great piece. Oh my God. Oh God. Oh, for the love of God. Thanks for joining me. Okay. We need to wrap this up because my ear is burning off. All right. End of Christmas. Harry's letter to Snape. With oh. Now, here's the thing. I like the, the problem I had last week with the story was why do we care so much if Harry... Why, uh, not even that. And, you know, I was listening to the episode, and here's one place I misspoke last week. My concern wasn't that why does it matter if Harry is adopted by Snape. To Harry, it matters a great deal. My concern was why does everybody else care? It's like a 17-and-a-half-year-old getting adopted who's going to turn 18 in six months. It's not going to matter anyway because he'll be a legal adult. So why does it matter? It matters for the characters very deeply. So while I'm still confused why the other... Well, actually, let me take that back. I don't think the other characters are so concerned about the legality of it. They're concerned about the emotional state of Harry. In Harry's emotional state, he needs to have a parent. And one of the things I always wonder about reading this story is what would James think if he knew that he was going to die, his wife was going to die, and Severus Snape and Vernon Dursley would raise his son. And that makes it sound like a really bad slash fic, but Snape ships Vernon, I don't know, but you wonder what, what James would think and what Lily would think, but seriously, think about what Harry thinks. Harry was denied having a parent. Harry, from the time he was 11, was in charge of his own finances. 
he's never had a guardian. He's had Vernon, who never gave a crap about him, and he's had you know, Sirius, who was barely around before he got killed. He had Remus, who was barely around and never really gave him the time of day when he was around, you know, from that, you know, emotionally necessary position, you know, of, of you know, guardians. Remus was never available for that. And you had Molly Weasley, who treated her, who treated him like one of her own, but never really to the extent necessary. So Harry, this is the first time Harry has this. So the first thing he's going to do is he's not going to, it's not about money, it's about independence. He is giving away to Snape his only means of independence so that Snape can make the decisions for him. He needs someone else to take care of him on some level, because I think Harry knows that he's getting to the point where he will need to make hard choices and he will need to face Voldemort. And for the time he has left, he wants someone else to take care of him. And I was expecting you know, the gift to be, I'm going to call you dad now. And that's the gift I have for you. And I, that was my guess. And I wasn't looking forward to that because I thought that would be kind of, um, something you can't make. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Very soon. And you can't give it, you can't make a decision to do that. It's got to be something that's natural. And I like how Aspen worked that into the story. And that every time he tries to hug Snape, it seems forced. It seems too difficult to do. Like it, it, it's not, natural that you know we're hugging right now it's weird we're not new to that we're not used to it i mean that felt real to me but i thought also that harry's desperate need to have a parent rang true now taking snape aside for a moment you know any characterization problems i may have had harry needs that snape is available snape very much wants that as well and it's something that flows very well and i really i really bought into it i really I really cared for it. I thought I thought it was a very powerful moment. Oh, I it's agree. one of my favorite. I love that moment. Okay, what is the same fascination with licorice? I just really like that little perk about and him. Black licorice at that. Gross. Oh, yeah, yeah, black. He likes the licorice <sighs> wine, which like- apparently is real. I didn't. I've never heard of it before. Well, I always thought it was oh, like yeah. with Dumbledore. You know, Dumbledore gives Harry sweets, and why is the old man giving sweets? I actually thought it was funny. There was one point where Snape offers um, Harry some of the licorice, and I, I just saw the, the, the comparison between Dumbledore and Snape there. But I was waiting for the point where Snape is like, um, Harry, the old man gives it to me, too. I hate it. Yeah. Which well, I mean, I like the only way I like black licorice is in NyQuil, so um, that's just I cool. love but, black licorice. Really? I, I do. think it's because I think I it tastes you. it tastes really medicinal to me. It's the same. It's the same thing. I can't eat um, grape popsicles, or I can't drink grape soda either. Because really? it all tastes like it all tastes like Diamond Tap to me. I From love I Diamond Tap. <laughs> mm, I love Diamond Tap, and you know what? Diamond That's really good, good to give to kids. It really is. Yeah. yeah. You're like, so is Benadryl. It's the only way they sleep. <laughs> How did you know I, I, what I was saying? You're How from Wisconsin. <laughs> um, that does it, not mean you drug your kids to make them sleep. <laughs> of course it does. Just, okay, we're not talking about drug kids. Okay. okay. Unless you're editing this, which you'll do. Overall thoughts of, of these chapters. Wonderful turnaround from what I was expecting from before. The last chapter scared me. I feel like the story is on very solid footing. I think Draco and Harry are very believable as friends. I think Snape has been ass in these chapters so well he should be, and I'm looking forward to what's to come. I love the... I I just... There's something about that scene where Harry is in green light being circled, I guess, and Snape clasps his hand, and and it reverts back to Sam... Solway, shoot, Solwyn, and <laughs> and it's just such an emotional moment. Like I love stories in any fic that can take me from 
just reading along to a completely emotional experience. And, uh, and I think these chapters, I mean, I felt that way with, I mean, it was just so angsty and so hard to read and horrible. And, and yet you can tell like, it's the start of something new. It's just, that made me think of High School Musical, sorry. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> the start of something. Okay. And it just, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I am terrible at this. And I love how, um, Christmas made me feel all warm and fuzzy and like makes me want to get my tree out tomorrow when I find it in my attic. Oh. I'm like thinking, is it underwater? Shoot, no, it's in the attic. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Seriously. Uh, anyway, and I just, lo- it makes me want to, I, I love it because I can reread th- these five chapters and I can get right into the fic again. And I, I love it. It's great. So I'm excited about next week's chapters too. And they have fake Christmas trees that you can create if you're a house elf or a potions master who's very smart. Oh, I love that. There's a reference I- in the chapters too. Harry's like, can we go inside? It's wicked cold out here. I'm like, ah, New England. <laughs> well, every time I say wicked, I'm like, man, I wish that we had that slang, wicked. We I say it on purpose. I don't care if other people don't say it. I'm going to make it popular in Wisconsin. <laughs> hey, we got, we got you back. Mostly because of Rupert Grant, but yeah, yeah. what are you going to say? <laughs> as long as Ryan does, as long as you don't start saying sore or uh, <laughs> <or> sandwich, <laughs> Melinder. Melinder. Or- at least find an end with an R. I mean, you're in the clear with me. Well, I just gotta tell you, Hollywood always screws it up, and they're like, "Dude, that was wicked." Mm-mm. And the rodeo, yeah. So, <laughs> all right, Chi, final thoughts. Um, this is really good Chinese food. Um, no, um, Chi has to eat in every podcast. I love it. <laughs> well, really, I'm craving a bag of Doritos. Okay, I had anyway. I had marching band rehearsal right up until right. when we started podcasting. I feel like every chapter we get through, the story kind of takes steps to get on a more solid ground. This is no exception. I mean, the characterization is wonderful. There's some excellent dialogue moments in here. Um, there's great things happening plot-wise. I loved the Christmas chapter. I'm going to go get out my Christmas music and practicing. I drive my father crazy because I start in October. He hates that. I just, I really enjoyed it. It was good. Good writing all around. Kind of cathartic. It was nice to read it this week. So I've been kind of bummed. But it was good. It was good. Good all around. Good, good, good. Yeah, I think <laughs> all around, I think it, it really reaffirmed, you know, the story for me. I think it really showed that, the, you know, all my fears went away with these chapters. I thought they were just incredibly well written. <laughs> yeah, the character of Draco, I think, really came out in these chapters. And because I could really buy into the character and I could really buy into why he was acting the way he was, it really worked for me. And, you know, maybe that was why I had trouble with Snape because I didn't feel that connection from the beginning. But, you know, we'll see. I'm looking forward to next week when we talk about chapters 51 through 58, which I'm sure Jen picked those very chapters because they'll leave us off on another cliff of some sort. <laughs> Janice. Maybe it was just because I really wanted to talk about Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, why Jennifer. So. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Meg, what do you think? I, I, I think I definitely feel the same way as the rest of you about. Um, I know. I agree. Um, I feel the same way about Draco. I mean, I think that was for me the most interesting part of these chapters and I I just really I really enjoyed Draco I think that he's I mean (laughs) big surprise but he's interesting and I don't know I don't have much else to say about it I think it wasn't alarming but I like that they brought back this a win 
Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? The well-wish itself. I think it's so interesting that as you're looking at it, all the purebloods in the room know exactly what each of those, you can look at it and know what each of those things mean. Yeah. That's part of pureblood okay. training. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I want to clarify something about this well-wish quick um, before okay. I talk about that. I wanted to ask because I didn't, I just to be sure so I don't spoil anything. So Harry does decipher the well-wish in these chapters? Draco gives the way, doesn't he? The color, isn't it the turquoise color? Draco gives away as the color of friendship. And wasn't, am I getting that right? Wasn't it that the well wish? Wait. Am I getting this no, right? No, that's not. That's, that's he, not I don't all think, of I it. guess they haven't deciphered the meanings of it then. Right. Okay, see, then never mind. Then I'm not going to say it. Well, as well, I think, well, I'm going to put, without spoiling, I think it's interesting that all the purebloods can look at it and know what it means. And Terry is just so grateful in this chapter for what it is, but he doesn't know what their wishes to him are. <laughs> yeah. And everybody else is kind of eye-rolling. Yeah, and Snape is glaring at him like, you're going to look this up yourself and you're going to get it yourself. And Harry- Which I want to point out is part of the reason why I said what I did about the well-wish, about the Gryffindors having an agenda. That's all I have to say. Oh, yeah, chapter- that makes more sense. Yeah, that makes more sense when you say it that way. But wasn't there something with so, the well wish? Was was the well was the well wish turquoise though? Was there some color in the well wish? I, I don't. I don't remember. That's not what we're referring. That's not the important. No, because thing. my question was when Harry gives Draco the medallion to wear. Um, as no, what was it? Was oh, it? Oh right. It was. It was. Yeah, it wards off uh, evil or dark intention. I think the turquoise necklace that Draco gets for Christmas. Yeah, I didn't it know. It warns if, you. It's sort of like a sneakoscope, but around your neck. Okay, I didn't know if there was, for whatever reason, any. <laughs> that burns reason. the crap out of you. Okay, so, like, Jen, <laughs> like Jen's cell phone, which is why we have to cut this episode short. Even it though really been- is. My ears are red, like, I keep flipping sides. Okay, so um, next week, apparently, we're going to find out why the Gryffindors are evil and why the Well Witch was, in <laughs> they're fact... Not, they're not evil. They're I just said that they had an agenda. Yeah, but that's they have what a little... I thought when I read that chapter, yeah. so it was okay for me to read. That makes that more way. sense to me when you say it that way. Like, I'm in total agreement there. What did y'all think? I liked this one. I did, too. Well, I think because it was about Christmas, and I'm just upset. Oh, but, um, and I love, the, I love how, where the story goes from here on... All right, six more episodes to go, guys, oh, right. on a year like none other, and then we're going to have, hopefully, Aspen on the show to answer questions and to yak about the whole story next week, chapters 51 through 58, and... Uh, we're more than halfway through. You're more than halfway through, so any comments anyone has, any questions, anything they would like to contribute to the show, uh, contact information coming up, and with that, have a great night, everyone. Good night, guys. Bye. Night. Hello, this is Slytherin Phoenix from the forums, or Cody, and all I have to say right now is that Ryan finally knows why he was deep. Really knows this time. Because that line, you missed me, now you know what it means. And all the figures at Salon. All I have to say is that Aspirin is absolutely brilliant. When I first read this, I was just going back through the story and seeing all these little pieces that she put together to make it and I was just dumbfounded. I couldn't believe she had planned it so well. It was very Rowling-esque of her, if I must say. And, um, let me see. In these chapters, I also really loved the characterization of Harry. Because he seemed really mature to me. And he actually seemed 16 instead of 12. Which is how he seems in a lot of parts of the fic. And then one little part I just want to read out because I just really loved it was it said, Harry stared down at him, seeing fear in those silver eyes, he's referring to Draco, or or really terror. 
Draco wasn't just scared of being found out a liar or frightened that Harry might reject him. It was, Snape had, it was as Snape had said, the boy was literally afraid for his life. And it's kind of this realization about how vulnerable he really is. And that even though he tries to be this ice king and tries to stay cool and collected, he really is afraid for his life. So, you guys are great, and can't wait to hear the next podcast. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Rinna, and this is the third installment of Rinna Recommends. For this installment, I'm going to be recommending some of my favorite authors over at Checkmated.com, which is a great, great site for those of you who've never been there who are uh, on the Ron and Hermione bandwagon. The first story is, again, one of the very first stories that I ever read coming into the fandom, and it's a beast. It's it's 80 chapters long. It is uh, worth the read, though. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It is called The Price of Love, and it is by Rogue Sugar. It is an incredible story. It's a little complicated. I wouldn't recommend trying to sit down and read it all in one go because you'll go crazy, but I would recommend checking it out if you haven't already. The other one I'm going to recommend is by the fabulous Lavender Brown, who wrote the uh, Book of Morgan Le Fay and The Final Reckoning, which are both fantastic, fantastic stories. Um, very, very talented individual. They are both completed. All of these stories today are actually completed. I'm not a big fan of the work in progress stories because I get so impatient. So I try really, really hard not to read stories until they're already completed. And it's not possible all the time, but these stories are all actually completed and they are fantastic reads. So check them out. Links will be available at Potterfic Weekly. So surf on over and take a peek at this week's recommendations. Happy reading. Oh, y'all, hold on one second. I'm going to lock the door and close the blinds. Really? <laughs> <Chance laughs> waiting on customers in the middle. All right, I'm the- now it's known as the smut lockdown. Oh, God. We're going into smut lockdown. All right, I'm grabbing a bottled water. I'll be right back. Smut lockdown. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, don't act like you don't have it. I have. Oh, I have a smut lockdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, the other day I, I had like three or four people around and I realized I had a smut fake open on my computer. <laughs> And I was like, shit. <laughs> this is trying not to open them at work. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, not good. Not good. It's not porn. It's literature. <laughs> yeah, it's just literature with a kind of a randy twist. There's nothing exactly. wrong with that. <laughs> I'm expanding my vocabulary. I didn't know that you could use 20 different words for penis, but now I do. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Okay. Now I don't know why they would just come right out and say penis, but they always make it like. <laughs> wow! I jumped into a conversation. <laughs> what, well, we're talking about penises. We're talking as about soon as what? Ryan left, we decided to talk about penises. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, we always need to do that. Uh, <laughs> no, Jen just jumps right in. Sure, I've got a lot to say. Yeah, about I, have about <laughs> I have lots to say about penises. <laughs> <laughs> And there's the name of the show. <laughs> Ryan would never allow. Hey, you're explicit. Yeah, we can say whatever you want. Seriously, though, we were talking about how in Smut they never use the word penis. They always use, like, member or wand or, like, yeah, a wand. Throbbing or pulsating. Oh, gosh. Do you really read Smut that they say wand? Yes. I have. Yeah, I have, I have, I have, there's, there's such a, like, especially, confession time. Yeah. 
<laughs> Jen laughing for down the hallway. Look at that. <laughs> she reached for his wand. Oh, I meant the other one. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are, you, are you reading smut? What are you doing? <laughs> the name of this episode is now officially 20 different names for penis. <laughs> well, we are explicit. I'm hearing like a like a like a staticky sound, yeah. but that might just be that I finally have a good enough microphone I can pick up on that. Uh, no, it's, I don't know. It's, it's coming from Jen. Jen, did you ever? F- I left you alone for an hour. Did you find your volume controls? No. <laughs> My computer is so sophisticated. New- I know. It is <laughs> so incredibly advanced. I can't find anything. Jen, you don't have the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, this thing practically is. It's ridiculous. Jen, look under look under your sound. This okay. Look under This is no. This is why I tried to talk to you an hour ago. And, I, gonna, and, you, and we looked for it and no, I had to go back to edit. I'm not we, do it now. You're not going to do it now. I can't find it. All right. Brian. Under Okay, Jennifer. Look under <laughs> under your sound controls. There should be just something that's like a bar that shows volume. Okay, under my... I don't... What is a sound control? All right, look under control panel for the Are sound Are you talking option. like Mac? N- no, I'm talking Which Ryan. is like right. Mac of smack. All right, look <laughs> under control panels for sound. Okay, I found... I see hardware and sound. Okay, go to sound. I don't, okay, sound. Now, do you see one there that says... Like, tell me what you see. Playback recording sounds. Well, try. Mm. So, guys, do either of you have? Either of you probably have a PC. Like, what is your sound control labeled as under your control panel? Uh, let me go look. Do either Sorry. of you have Vista? No. <laughs> I love how she no. says it like this. The name of a Vista foreign land. A, it's the devil. Vista is a piece of crap. Okay. This so, pian- okay, piano. When you go to control it's- piano, when you go to control panel. Do you yeah. have appearance and themes, network and internet connections, add or remove programs, sound, speech, and audio devices? That like, if you go to your of- control... <laughs> hey, go to your go to control panel. <laughs> I'm there. Okay, I'm, does it say pick a category at the top? No. What does it say? No. It says printers, <laughs> autoplay, <laughs> sound, mouse, okay. power Try- options. Try sounds. Go back to sounds. Okay. I'm there. Ryan. Your options. Ryan. I'm just laughing because Ryan is. I know. Do you see sound options? Printers. (laughs) It's true. Okay. Jennifer, focus. No. Listen here. My house, I am homeless. And I am doing this out of my freaking work. And it's the best damn thing I can do. Okay, all right. Let's this. try and fix Jen, this. Okay, never mind. Jen's on, like, the sp- International Space Station, right? Okay, wait. No, I want to fix this. I wanted to no, fix this. No, if you like- can't find it, we're fine. But, okay, like, wait. you have to have sound options. I do. They're just... It's the thing where you, like, pick a microphone. It's, like, in that... Okay, that's you know. speakers. <laughs> I feel like Jen's in the new car and she can't find the windshield. <laughs> hey, that is really difficult. Uh, when you I, try and find yeah, I can't even do. Okay, wait, wait. What if I? Okay, this is very advanced. I have this like <laughs> I can change. I can change the HZ quality of the bits. 
Do you think that will do anything? Let's try. Like, I'm on CD quality. I can go to studio quality. Give it a show. Give it a show. This is studio quality. I can go to DVD quality. Ooh, DVD quality. It's getting louder. Really? Yeah, it got louder. This is studio quality at yeah. 24 bits. Oh, okay. What about this one? Can you hear me? It seems a little yeah. Bit. I yeah. can't tell if this is changing anything or if this is... I think it's just making it worse. <laughs> like, it's about the same as it was before. All right. Okay. Uh. Wait, maybe this is it. I'm on home theater. Okay, this is office. Is this better? <laughs> I feel like Jane's the nuclear reactor. We're going to try the red button. Tell me if this makes it worse. Is this one better? Across no, I'm not joking. I have 14,000... <laughs> Ooh, this one has to be. Oh, I can I can get room calibration. Oh wait, maybe this is what I oh, need. Oh, that really. seems that seems better. Did okay, it? this is a flat response. Okay, hold on. My automated <laughs> calibration test is running. Oh man, that sounded like aliens. Okay, wait. It says high room noise level. Try again. Oh, I'm deaf. Continue. Okay, microphone signal is suspiciously suspiciously low. Okay. <laughs> Do y'all hear that? <laughs> Do y'all hear that? <laughs> Wait, no, it's answering. Did you really hear that? Hear no, what? we're laughing. It, goes, it went. We 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 we. We have it hooked up so Jan's computer talks back to her. Ew, that's kind of cool. It's like talking in each of my ear and going bleep, bleep, bleep. It's like the, every time you hear it, Jen, just... I know, I was thinking, it's like one of those death tests, like... Jesus. Alright. It's a good man. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, wait. Uh, it's finishing. Okay, do I sound better? I'm now room corrected. You sound wonderful. So he comes out, and I love the fact that Hermione tries to come in and gets thrown back by the shock of the warriors. And Draco's like, I knew it! You had nothing but his good interests at heart! And Draco, and Snape's like, welcome to my humble abode. Oh, did we lose someone? Everyone here? I'm here. It's Jen. Jen? Oh, that's sad. Maybe her (laughs) phone died. Our poor disjointed conversation. (laughs) Hello, you've reached Jennifer. The <laughs> call is very important to oh, us, so please leave your name, number, and a brief message after the beep, and I will return your call in the order. Of- <laughs> her message says, "I'll return your call in the order it was received." Your right. call is very important to us. Goodness, oh, Jen's calling me. Hang on, tell her, tell her to hang up the damn phone. I'm calling her. Back. Hi, Jen. Tell her to hang up. I know. Hey, sweetie, why don't you uh? Call, hang up now. We're trying to call you again. Okay, bye. Alright, bye. <laughs> I love that. Me too. Kind of reminds me of the Inspector Gadget theme. What the hell? Okay, Jen. What was that? No idea. Jen, just like, Jen, just talk for a second. Jen, you're kind of breaking up a little bit. Just talk for a second until it comes back. Hello? Harry reacts like a woman. woman. Like a five-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah. 
he, he kind of acts like a premenstrual woman. <laughs> he does. You don't pay enough attention to what I need. Okay, that's why this relationship doesn't work. No, no, I'm not premenstrual. Why would you even say that? It's not always all about hormones. Okay? All right, you ready to go, guys? Just like this. <laughs> okay. I found like, was every Jen. Oh God, we lost her. <laughs> Jen. Oh, my God. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Again. I just unplugged myself accidentally. Okay. Jen. <laughs> Jen, you there? Is Jen still here? Hi. Sorry, my mom came in. No problem. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I missed what y'all were saying because I was discussing dog food. <laughs> Welcome everyone to a special episode of Parfic Weekly. We're here with the spell crap. What the hell's the name of your podcast? Spell crappers. We're here with the spell crappers, and Jen is buying liquor. Everyone, listen. What is that? Budweiser. Yes. Wait. Oh, that's a six pack. Okay. Yeah, I'll take one of those. <laughs> oh, the bottles. Oh, the bottles are cheaper, aren't they? Oh, but they have a handy grip. Get that one. Yeah. That was good. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. <laughs> They're helping me buy beers. Um, oh, my God. Make sure you get me a Jack Daniels, too. Yeah, no kidding. Jen, get me some tequila and I'll help you move. I'm being carded. Shut up. <laughs> Don't do it, Jen. She's underage. <laughs> no, y'all. I got carded for an R-rated movie the other day. How terrible is that? Really? Really? Ew, wow. So did the so did the guy who works here. I think people are just stupid. I seriously. That's what he wants to say. How did Josh from Australia? <laughs> I look um, I'm Jen, seriously. I'm not question. a crazy person. Jen, I've got a question. What state are you in? I'm in Texas. Okay. Thank you very much. Said. My, my my brother's got a girlfriend in Texas, actually. You too. Have a great evening. Wait, who lives in Texas, Mom? Do you need help with the boxes? This is like a slice of Jen's everyday life, and I'm not surprised at all. This should be a special I know. Segment. I'll be right back. I gotta put the beer... <laughs> Seriously, my hands are full. All right, all right, sweetie. Put the beer down. Don't break it. And I'm not drinking. I just want y'all to know. I don't drink beer unless it's a Corona. Because you know, uh, Corona has that handy grip, doesn't it? I know yeah. the lime. Brother it has all of your soulmate. Handy grip. No, thank oh, you. Thank we, need, we need boxes. Wait, where is, is this all boxes right here? Wow, they have a gazillion. These are awesome. Jen, are you stealing boxes from the liquor store? Oh, thank you so much. Oh, my God. It's not beer. No, seriously, guys, if you ever move, you have to go to the liquor stores because they have the best boxes and they don't have those leftover food bugs. Yeah. That's wow. so true. No, nothing. Thanks a lot. That's right. Strong boxes. Here's a question. But, uh, okay. Audio is going to uh, turn This should be good, right? Well, yeah. I wish that I had my camera. You should see my the back of the truck. It's filled with liquor boxes. <laughs> what if it gets pulled over? <laughs> 
you've heard anything in this episode that you would like to comment on or would like to contribute to the show, you can email any of our staff at their names at potherfickweekly.com or you can email staff at potherfickweekly.com. If you would like to send in a voicemail message, you can either call 781-352-0643 and you can leave a voicemail up to two minutes in length or you can email us an audio file to our email address and we can play that on the show. You can also download a program called the Gizmo Project and you can uh, contact us that way through your computer. For more information, visit potherfickweekly.com.